For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Jesus said, no man takes my life. And uh, one who is Christ-like Recorded understands live. the sacrifice of Jesus. They understand the Passover. They understand that Jesus um, became accursed, Galatians 3 and 13, so that they could be blessed. And they understand that First Peter 2.24, that by whose stripes you were healed. And um, Christ-like, somebody who's Christ-like, obviously we're all, Christians by faith, meaning we're somewhere on the road to being Christ-like, right? So obviously, if you took the word for really what it meant in the natural, fulfilled, we would have to say no. They wouldn't die of a disease because Jesus already took all of our diseases, you know? But uh, this lady being a new believer, thank God, you know, that she had come to the Lord and had a born-again spirit. And, you know, um, even if it was her last few days on earth, because this lady got the disease that that lady had and died a couple of days after that lady died. You see? Well, do Christians, are Christians supposed to get diseases? Well, you know, the Lord has already taken care of this, folks. He's already delivered us. He's already made us uh, free from the curse. And I believe that a lot of Christians are going to get this revelation in these days. And uh, there's no condemnation, of course, to a new Christian who doesn't know. You know, to him that knoweth and and, uh, to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Knowledge imputes sin, you know, so... Um, this lady had no knowledge, no understanding, but she was rejoicing that she was saved, and praise be to God. You know, I witnessed to a young man um, when I worked at Exxon in that way. I think two days later, he died in a car wreck. You know, I thank God that I did talk to him. You know, I thank God that uh, he did receive what I was saying. Well, anyway, if you take the word Christian just as it means it, Christ-like, you can't imagine Jesus dying of any disease, right? And um, in these days, God's going to finish the work he started in his people. And the greatest manifestation of Jesus Christ the world has ever seen is coming in our day, worldwide. Uh, The manifestation of the sons of God is coming in our day, worldwide. But we need to understand how to walk in Christ, how to abide in Christ. You know, I really don't think Christians who know about the gospel die of diseases. I'll tell you what I think they die of. I think they die of fear and unbelief. And um, the Lord wants us to renew our minds so that we won't be susceptible to the devil putting fear on us so that we accept something that's not ours. God put our stripes on Jesus Christ. He is the Lamb of God. He is our Passover Lamb, so that the death angel passes over us and kills the Egyptians, right? The lost people. 
He said, I'll put none of the diseases upon thee, which I have put upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Exodus 15 and 26. So, no, Christians aren't supposed to die. Now, we need to know enough to wrestle with the principalities and powers who try to bring guilt trips on us, try to bring fear into our mind when you look over in the next bed and there's somebody that's dying of some disease, you know. Have you ever heard the devil's voice? I have. I've heard the devil's voice several times. For instance, when I went to my own bed with my wife there, and she had a cold, coughing and sneezing and, you know, all that, and you think, how can I make it to morning without catching this? Well, the devil's, you know, he puts fear on you. He, 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 he causes you to do things. He causes you to act in such a way to try to protect yourself. That's what he tries to do. And when you do that, when you act on that fear and that doubt, guess what? He's got a right. You gave him a right. You know, we're the ones that bind and loose on earth. That's what Jesus said. Whatsoever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. And we do it by our actions and our thoughts. Instead of rebuking the devil when he puts that kind of a thought in us, we give in to it. Well, you know, I learned that a long, long time ago, so I got out of a lot of stuff. Now, honestly, I got out of a lot of stuff where normally somebody would have caught that. Because the devil programs you, doesn't he? He programs you to absorb this stuff around you by your fear, by your doubt, by your actions. You know, faith without works is dead, but when you work, when you, you act on what you believe, it's alive, and it works. So you know what the devil wants you to do? He wants you to act on his fear and his doubt, because that's faith, too. It's just faith in reverse, right? It's faith in the curse, isn't it? He wants you to act on that, because then it's complete. As soon as you act on what you believe, that is, well, I'm going to catch this disease because I'm next to this person, or I'm going to catch this cold because I'm next to this person, as soon as you act on that and think on that, guess what? It's yours. You wonder, how did I take that? The Bible says, by his stripes I was healed. How did I get this? Well, you didn't believe it at the time you needed to believe it. <laughs> Sometimes we have to, it's in the midst of the battle that we um, we don't have our shield up, you know, our shield of faith up, and we're not swinging our sword. And so the devil's able to come through and get at us, you know, the Bible says in Psalm 91, 1, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That's what we need to do, folks, is abide in the secret place of the Most High. That's Jesus Christ. Abide in Him. That is to, the Bible says, walk as He walked. Right? And when we abide in that secret place, we're under the Lord's shadow. We can't be bothered. But we've got to abide in our thinking and in our speech, and we need to learn to do that now before these things come down the road. Well, I have no doubt that God's going to do a quick work. Matter of fact, I've seen young Christians, you know, jump right into things that people 40, 50, 60 years in the Lord hadn't done, you know. So God can do a quick work. But I think the Lord needs a witness and a testimony. And I think right now the Lord is giving us these testimonies in order to share with these people down the road so that the Lord bless them to come into all that God has for them. 
Verse 2 says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in whom I trust, I will say of the Lord. You know, we need to say that. You know, we don't have to quote that, but you see all these verses that talk about God's preservation of us and provision for us and deliverance. That's what it is. We need to agree with those. And that's how we make him our refuge, is agreeing that we are hidden with Christ in God, as the Scripture says. And verse 9 says the same thing. It says, For thou, O Lord, art my refuge. Thou hast made the Most High thy habitations. Do you confess him as your refuge in the midst of, well, like Mark? That's a good example. Do you confess him as your refuge in the midst of a circumstance like that? Do you confess him as your Savior? With the heart man believes unto the righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Do you confess him as your Savior? Do you confess him as Lord? Romans 10 says, you know. That's mean, that means, is he Lord over the situation you're in now? Well, you confess him before men. You know, we need to get into agreeing with the Word of God. First John 2.24 says, As for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If that which you heard from the beginning abide in you, you also shall abide in the Son and in the Father. And in other words, if we believe what Jesus and the apostles gave to us in the beginning, that's how we abide in Jesus. That's how we abide in the secret place of the Most High. Well, I tell you, folks, some of you are wasting your time going to church. You can do a whole lot better just reading the Bible, putting those verses in your heart. You know... In most cases, the preacher's never put him in his heart because he's not living that way. He's not living above the curse. In most cases, this is the, the truth. You know it. Not living above the curse. He doesn't have uh, testimonies of God's preservation. He's never walked through the wilderness. Of course, how is he going to lead you there, right? So you know what? You're going to have to get it for yourself. You, I know I'm talking to a lot of people out there by... AM, FM, satellite, shortwave. I know I'm talking to some people. You have to get it for yourself. Seek out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Hard days are coming down the road, but Jesus is up to the challenge. And he's the word. And he said, "My the words that I speak unto you, they're spirit and they are life. You put those words in your heart. You devour those words. And I'll tell you what, the Jesus in you will be up to the challenge. And you'll be saving people around you by the grace of God. Paul boldly proclaimed, the Lord will deliver me from every evil work. Wow. The traditions of men won't do that, folks. It's the Word of God that'll do it. The Lord will deliver me from every evil work. Can you boldly say that? Even before you go on your trip across country, you know, even before, even when you hear about the flu going around or worse. And he's the one that proclaimed, too, that Jesus bore the curse for us in Galatians 3 and 13. And he said we were delivered out of the power of darkness. The devil don't have power to administer the curse on you unless you give it to him. Because what you bind on earth is bound in heaven. What you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. We're delivered out of the power of darkness, Colossians 1 and 13. Do you believe it? Well, if you do, in that particular point, you're hidden in Christ. 
Now, we're going to be tried in, in many kinds of ways to see if we believe that we're hidden in Christ. You know, and if you're rebellious, you know that's not going to save you. You know, First John 2, 5 and 6 says, Hereby we know that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Well, sometimes I'm not real sure, David, that I'm trusting him. That's all right. Say it anyway. You know, the Bible says my tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Write it upon your heart, folks. Say it until it's written upon your heart. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And then verse 9, For thou, O Lord, art my refuge. Thou hast made the Most High thy habitation. See, that confession of faith is what God is waiting for, to hide you in Christ from the things around you. Notice this, if we say he's our refuge, he becomes our habitation. Romans 10, 10, For with the heart man believeth, Unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Unto salvation. That is, you, you remember a while back we studied salvation, how that it's, uh, that word, soteria, is translated deliverance, preservation, healing, uh, preservation in the midst of disasters and things, or danger, you know, like when the disciples were out in the boat and it was filling with water, right? And confess is the Greek word for homo legeo. It means to speak the same as. Say what God says. Say what he says about you. It's not presumption to say what God says about you. We're accounted righteous when we do that. See? To not say what God says about you is to not confess him before men. He said, everyone who confesses me before men, I will confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him also will I deny before my Father who is in heaven. So to deny what the Lord says before men is to not be justified, not to not be accounted righteous. Faith is accounted as righteousness. Now, in every situation, when we come into judgment, we need to be accounted righteous so that we may have this blessing. You know, Romans 3 and 4. Let God be found true, but every man a liar. As it is written, that thou mightest be justified. That means accounted righteous, right? In thy words, and might prevail when thou comest into judgment. So you have to be called righteous by God through your confession, or you will not escape that judgment. See, the Lord has put this authority in our hands, folks. He said it. We're supposed to believe it at the risk of not being called believers, right, or being believers. You know, in Psalm 91, confession brought protection to the body. I remember a testimony that was sent to me years ago by a lady. I believe her name was Annette Rich. And um, she was walking with a bunch of other people who were under some kind of a biological attack. And she started saying, I'm God's child. The air is purified around me. The angels of the Lord are around me. The blood of Jesus saves me. This is all in her dream when this biological attack came on her. 
And she said other people around her fallen dead, some of them. And birds were falling out of the sky. She said she just kept on repeating those sayings and, and sayings like that. And she heard other people around her saying, oh, I just can't do it anymore. I can't make it and so on and so forth. And she just kept on walking. She said, that's not a worthy statement of a child of God. And she taught them to repeat what she said. And so she'd repeat these bold faith assertions. And she kept her eyes straight ahead. She didn't look on the death. She urged others to do the same thing. Get your eyes off the problem, folks. Get your eyes on the Savior, right? Well, that was a good demonstration to her. I remember um, John Lallier years ago shared with me what the Lord spoke to him. He had, he's a prophet, and uh, he was taken to the streets of America, and he saw cities on fire, and he saw Muslims uh, burning America. And he said when war uh, breaks out in, in Israel and America, no, he said when the war breaks out in, in Israel and America and, and uh, others get involved in it, that these Muslims are going to burn America down. He also said he saw Muslim women coming into America with uh, vials of anthrax and, and biologicals in their inner body parts. He said he saw 180 million people die in a 72-hour period. I don't know if you remember um, A.A. Allen's vision of uh, the fall of America, but just before the nations uh, nuked America, there was this biological attack, and many people died. Well, John said after he saw this biological attack, he said um, he saw major cities being nuked. Well, I want to tell you something. We By that time, folks, I pray that all Christians will understand the Passover and what Jesus did for them, and it will be in their spirit so that they won't be threatened by such things. In fact, I know that at that time the Lord told me that there was going to be a Passover for the Christians. And the last thing that happened to Israel when they were leaving Egypt was the Passover. Uh, a great miracle of God's preservation. You know, I've, I've boldly confessed many times that me or my family were not going to get sick. I've had... Uh, Parents call us over the years and say their children had these, you know, measles, mumps, you know, chicken pox or something like that. And I'd say, hey, don't worry about it. You can bring them. That's not a problem. We're not going to catch it. And you know what? We never did. I remember one time uh, there was an elderly lady whose um, sewer plugged up. And so I told her, well, I'll come over there and fix it, you know. So I went over and I dug up, you know, several I don't know, 10, 15 foot of pipe, pulled it out of the ground and rooted it out and put it back down in there. And this lady was taking care of an, uh, a young man that was dying of AIDS. And she would wash her dishes and things with um, bleach and rubber gloves. She had rubber gloves on. She'd wash her dishes and things with bleach. She was very, had to be very careful, she said, you know. So she comes out of her house, and I'm back there working on her sewer and pulled all these pipes out and everything. She says, you, David, do you know the situation I'm in here? You know, 
so-and-so's got AIDS and so on and so forth. Don't you think you should have rubber gloves on? I said, no, ma'am. I says, I can't catch AIDS. Not possible. And she just looked at me, you know, and I just, you know, shared a little bit of the gospel with her. I says, that's not something we as believers are supposed to believe. And, uh, you know, I know there's nothing you can do about it if you're walking in sin, walking in rebellion against God. Ignorance, God overlooks, you know. I mean, because of our faith, we have a blood covering. But if you're walking in rebellion, Hebrews 10.26 says, If we sin willfully after we receive a knowledge of the truth, there remains no sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment, which shall devour the adversaries. So if you're walking in willful disobedience, you're not going to have faith. For heart condemneth not. We have boldness towards God. And whatsoever we ask of him, we receive it because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. If our heart condemns us not, we you know, we need to be able to believe in a situation like this. Meaning, of course, we need to be walking with the Lord, too. Yeah. We're promised protection from the deadly pestilence in Psalm 91. You know, verse 3 says, For... He will deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. 3, 5, and maybe 6, let's see. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. You know, thou shalt not be afraid. Because why? Because that's what the devil brings against Christians to get them to accept this thing, this curse. Faith is, a fear is faith in reverse. It is faith in the curse. It is faith in the devil. And it is permission for him. So we need to immediately make war on fear when it shows up. You know, first you see something. As soon as you see it, here comes fear. See? So you need to cast that down, cast that imagination down. And the word pestilence here doesn't, doesn't uh, it actually means an epidemic disease here in this case. But in verse 10, the word plague, which we would normally equate with a pestilence, is not at all restricted to an epidemic. The Hebrew word plague, it just means a blow or to smite. Verse 10 says, There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy tent. Do we believe God or what? Notice in this verse that if we're in the secret place, we are not under the plagues or judgments of God. And Exodus 12 tells us the exact same thing. The blood shall be to you a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. There shall no plague be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Well, God's getting ready to smite the land of Egypt again, folks, and deliver his people out of it. And we've got to believe or we'll go down. I'm not saying you'll necessarily be lost, you know, but uh, because some people do stumble in their faith. But my people, he says, are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So... If you want to be preserved and be useful to God and the people around you, then you and I are both going to have to hold fast the confession of our hope that it waver not. You know, in this text, the blood of the Lamb 
That's Jesus. Delivered us from all plagues. The judgments that God brought upon Egypt were all called plagues. Go back and look. There were conditions for this benefit. You know, he said in verse 9, verse 10 here, he said, Eat not of it raw, nor boiled at all with water, but roast it with fire, its head, its legs, and with the inwards thereof. And you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. But that which remains of it until the morning, you shall burn with fire. So, we need to partake of all of the Lamb. That is all of Jesus. That is all of the Word, right? A half gospel is not going to keep you in the midst of the situations that are coming upon this world. The Lord knows it. He said all of his head. You know, that is the mind of Christ. That is the, the thinking, the doctrine, right? And all the legs, right? Which is his walk, you know? need to walk in his steps, confess his same bold faith, you know. And remember that if we walk willfully disobedient, we cannot expect this. The sacrifice will not protect those who are walking in rebellion. In Exodus 12 and 7, it says, And they shall take of the blood and put it on the two side posts of the lintel, upon the houses wherein they shall eat it. Israelites, notice, it was the Israelites who were the ones who applied the blood. Some people are crying out for God to apply the blood. Well, he's already done that. The Bible says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we walk in the light, we're the ones that apply the blood. When you act on faith and you act on the word, you're applying the blood. Not just the covering of the blood, but the washing of the blood. There's two workings of the blood. First, it covers you when you when you speak by faith, because faith is accounted as righteousness. But then, as you walk in it, it manifests its work. It cleanses. Right? And, of course, walking in the light means the Word of God. Again, there's the Lamb. You know, submitting to the Lamb of God. The Bible says, you know, having these promises... Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Let us cleanse ourselves. Second Corinthians 7 and 1. Those promises, that's the Word of God. We've got authority with the Word of God over all the curse. Oh, praise be to God. I like, I've got here the vision that was given to uh, Dimitri Dudeman. Let me read this to you. I'm going to read the end of it. It says that he knew that this was the last fight of the devil against the church. I'm going to go back and read the beginning of it. It says, May the 7th, 1993, this vision that was given to him. It was getting dark. Then suddenly it turned pitch black. It was as if the whole world had gone dark at that moment. And we're kind of getting ready to enter into that, that period of time, folks. Great darkness. In fact, it seems like it's getting pretty dark right now. He said, all the people were in a frenzy. They became disoriented, and some were even screaming. And after some time, we heard the sound of an army approaching. Soon we saw them coming out of the black mist. All of them were dressed in black except for one, and that one seemed to be their leader. He was dressed in a red robe with a thick black belt over his waist. On his head, 
he had a sign. And as I looked, I saw that in his hand he held the same kind of a sharp spear as everyone else in his army. He said, I am Lucifer. I am the king of this world. I've come to make war against the Christians. And that's what's about to happen, folks. It looked as though all the Christians were huddled together in one big group. Some began to cry when they heard this. Obviously, they were full of fear and not prepared to face this challenge, right? Others began to tremble, while some just stood without saying anything. Yeah, because who's Satan anyway, right? He's given us authority over all of his power, folks. People that believe the gospel, we need to believe that. So Lucifer continued to speak. All of those that want to fight against my army and think that they can be victorious, go to the right. And those that fear me, go to the left. Only about a quarter of the group step to the right. I'd say that that's a pretty high percentage, <laughs> quarter of the group. Nowadays, I, you know, hopefully people will be more faithful in the days draw by, I guess. But all the others went to the left. So three quarters of them went to the left. Those that feared the Lord, uh, feared the devil, went to the left. Three quarters of them. Then Lucifer ordered his army destroy those on the right. And the army began to advance and quickly surrounded the Christians on the right. As they began to close in on us, a powerful light appeared and encircled us. There's that light again, the word of God, right? Then the angel of the Lord spoke, take out your swords and fight, defend yourselves, and be victorious over the enemy. Well, why didn't the angel of the Lord just take care of it for them, right? You think the angels just do that? No, you need to read Revelation chapter 12, you know. You know, there was a war in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon and his. But then it goes on to say, the saints overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and because they loved not their life unto death. The saints overcame him. You know, the angels are there to fulfill our faith. They are to bring it to pass. They have authority to act when we Act by faith. Speak by faith. Take out your swords and fight. Listen, if you don't fight, you'll lose. What swords? A man in the group asked. The word of the Lord is your sword. The angel answered. And when we understood what the angel meant, we began to quote verses from the Bible. Then suddenly, as if we were a one voice, we began to sing a song. What, what is it about a song, folks? Songs are when you're in unison, right? You're all saying the same thing, right? That's a kind of like the prayer of agreement, isn't it? It's powerful. So they began to sing a song. And it says, Our voices thundered so loudly that the dark army began to retreat in fear. They did not have the courage to come against us anymore. Lucifer, filled with rage, turned to those on his left. You who all of your life have been trying to please two masters, because you could not stand against me, I have the power to destroy you. He then ordered his army to attack, and it was a total massacre. The ones on the left could not defend themselves. You know why? Because these people were the fearful. Do you know that that's listed in Revelation 20? 
the fearful, the abominable, as those sinners who won't partake of the kingdom of heaven? The ones on the left could not defend themselves. One by one, they all fell. This killing seemed to go on for a long time. And after a while, we could actually smell the stench of the dead. Why could they not be protected also, someone asked. The angel answered, because all of their lives they have been lukewarm. Because of their hypocrisy, the true church has been blasphemed. They have brought disrespect to the word of God. Boy, if Christianity hadn't done that, folks, I don't know what it has done. It's been a great failure. And it is true, the overwhelming majority have brought disrepute to the Word of God. They were not clean, the angel said. And as we continued to look, we saw the sun coming over the horizon, and the black clouds began to break up, and then they disappeared. Only one was left, the one on which Lucifer and his army stood. And Lucifer looked at me, shaking his fist, and said, I will destroy you even if I have to throw my spirit to you from here. Then that cloud disappeared too. And as I looked around, I began to see faces that I recognized among our group. This, The first thought that came to my mind as I awoke was that this had been the last fight of the devil against the church. If we remain faithful, we will be victorious. Wow, that's true, folks. Hold fast the confession of your hope that wave or not. He is faithful that promised. Glory be to God. You know, in Exodus 12, 22, he says, And you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that's in the basin. Strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that's in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. And 23 is, the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. Now, what is it to abide in your house if it's not to abide in Jesus, who is the Word? You know, he is our protection. We're hidden with Christ in God. If you abide in Jesus, you abide in the fruit and you abide in the eternal life that he is. The destroyer can't come past the blood on the doorpost to smite you. As you can see, all these conditions really kind of all point to the same thing. Walk by faith in the Lord as your Savior in all things and and uh, grow in the light of the, of the word. You know, he devour the word, all of it. Leave none of it undone, you know. You know, the devil is a slick lawyer. You know, he knows his rights, and he studies that word. He knows it backwards and forwards. And if you try to add to or take away from what's written there, he has authority to afflict you. In fact, let me read that to you. Revelation 22:18. I testify unto every man that hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto them, God shall add unto him the plagues which are written in this book. Now you know who the plagues are going to come on. All the folks that like to add their theology, their thinking, their religion to God's Word. We don't want to dilute the Word. It's the only thing that we've got to provide us with the benefits of the Lamb. We have to devour the unleavened bread, the pure Word. 
19 says, If any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the tree of life and out of the holy city, which are written in this book. Well, people are taken away, and what do they do? They fall under the curse when they take away from the words of the book. Many of them are saying that God doesn't do these things anymore. Such silly things as that. They don't have much respect for the Lord. They've changed the covenant in the middle. You know, it was an eternal covenant. We have no right to change it. And we can't add to it. We can't take away from it. Under threat of the curse. You know, in Exodus 12 and 15, it says, Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread. Even the first day you shall put away leaven out of your houses. What is that leaven? That is what man adds to the word to make it palatable for the flesh, right? He goes on to say, Whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day. Why is that the last? That was the last seven days, folks, that they were in Egypt. Guess what? Tribulation's coming. It's the same thing. That soul shall be cut off from Israel. Well, God's dealing seriously with his people in the last days. You know why? Because of the great authority and power that's coming upon the earth in the last days. Not only is he going to restore the ministry, the true ministry of God, he's going to restore everything by the latter rain, the power of God. He's going to destroy, he's going to uh, restore the doctrine. And people are going to be without excuse. But those that continue on in their partaking of leaven, well, they're not going to make it through. You know, the unleavened bread represents purity in, in doctrine and purity in the word. The Lord said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. You think we got those today? I guarantee you we do. In verse 12, they understood that the leaven was their teaching. That's Matthew 16 and 12. And also Paul exhorted us in 1 Corinthians 5 to keep the feast of unleavened bread by casting out the leaven of malice and wickedness. And he said here that the unleavened bread is sincerity and truth. And back in Exodus 12, they could have no leaven in their house for seven days. The seventh day was the, the day of ceasing from our works, right, to enter into the rest. Ceasing from our works, ceasing from our our own doctrine, our own theology, right? Adding to the word by the works of man, the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So we have to keep the the word in our house until we cease from our works and we rest in Christ. Otherwise, you can be cut off. You know, the Lord gave me a long list of miracles one time when I was writing an article on our site, and I put it in our in the book, um, Hidden Manna, that he was going to perform things that were miraculous. You know, he was giving them to me as I was writing them down. And he said he was going to perform all these wonderful things for his people. One of them was walking through clouds of biological weapons, you know, and um, drinking poison water and all these kind of things. He said he was going to perform all this because they're not under the curse. That's what he told me, because they're not under the curse. He said he was going to translate people right out of the middle of nuclear blasts in order to preserve them. I'm not talking about to heaven either. I'm talking about just move them. These are people that are abiding in the secret place of the Most High. They're not under the curse. 
You know, Jesus said, be it unto you according to your faith, and as you have believed, so shall it be unto you. Even Enoch was translated by faith, wasn't he, folks? And remember also that Jesus could not do many mighty works because of their unbelief. It's not. There's no different today. He's made the condition of faith all through the Scriptures. I've got here a uh, testimony by a lady named Galene Walmack. This is a vision that the Lord gave her some years ago. She said, I was reading about the coming bombing of the United States, and as I sat down in my rocker to look out my picture window to reflect on this, all of a sudden a laughter came forth from way down inside. And I asked the Lord, what was so funny about the U.S. being bombed? He then showed me a quick vision of Phoenix being bombed. I perceived it didn't matter what city, and I, and in the midst of that, I think at the time she lived not far from Phoenix, and in the midst of that there were people walking around just fine. I then saw the enemy watching via satellite and was horrified to see people walking around in the midst of what I perceived to be a nuclear bombing. Wow. How can people still be walking around in the midst of something like that, you know, except the Lord is God. He's our mighty, mighty Savior. He is going to deliver. And here's one. Here's another one I love to share with people. This is about John Lake during the bubonic plague. Listen to what John said. Now watch the action of the law of life. You know, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, that's what he's talking about. The action of the law of life. Faith belongs to the law of life. Faith is the very opposite of fear. Faith has the opposite effect in spirit, soul, and body. Faith causes the spirit of a man to become confident. It causes the mind of a man to become restful and positive. A positive mind repels disease. Consequently, the emanation of the spirit destroys disease germs. And because we were in contact with the spirit of life, I and this little Dutch fellow with me went out and buried many of the people who had died of the bubonic plague. We went into homes and we carried them out. We dug the graves and we put them in. Sometimes we would put three or four in one grave. We never took the disease. Why? Because of the knowledge that the law of faith in Christ Jesus protects us. That law was working because of the fact that a man, by the action of his will, puts himself purposely in contact with God. Faith takes possession of his heart, and the condition of his nature is changed. Instead of being fearful, he is full of faith. Instead of being absorbent and drawing everything to himself, his spirit repels sickness and disease. You hear that, folks? That's, that's the truth. When we, when we walk in fear, we give the devil authority. I don't know about absorbing things, drawing things to ourselves. We just give the devil authority through our fear. And you know, every time you see something with your eyes that's dangerous, the devil's got his spirit of fear right there in order to get you to accept that. And when you do it, you've given him permission. 
He goes on to say, the Spirit of Christ Jesus flows through the whole being and emanates through the hands, the heart, and from every pore of the body. During that great plague that I mentioned, they sent a government ship with supplies and corps of doctors. One of the doctors sent for me, and he said, what have you been using to protect yourself? Our corps has this preventive and that which we use as protection. But we concluded that if a man could stay on the ground as you have and keep ministering to the sick and burying the dead, you must have a secret. What is it? I answered, Brother, that is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. <laughs> Praise God. What, what, what delivered us from the spirit of death? The curse of sin and of death? The law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It's a law, folks. It's like a gravity's a law. In the natural, gravity's a law. If you uh, jump off a chair, you're going to go down, aren't you? Well, you know, there's a law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Now, John Lake learned how to tap into that law. And it's just as much a law as the natural laws are. It has to come to pass if you do what the condition is, right? The condition for gravity is just put yourself in a position to fall, and you'll fall, right? Well, the position to partake of the benefit of Jesus Christ, the spirit of life in Christ, is faith. John went on to say, he says, I believe that just as long as I keep my soul in contact with the living God so that his spirit is flowing into my soul and body, and no germ will ever attach itself to me, for the Spirit of God will kill it. He asked, don't you think that you had better use our preventatives? I replied, no, but, but doctor, I think that you would like to experiment with me. And if you will go over to one of those dead people and take the foam that comes out of their lungs after death and put it under a microscope, you will see masses of living germs. You will find they are alive until a reasonable time after a man is dead. You can fill my hand with them, and I will keep it under the microscope. And instead of these germs remaining alive, they will die instantly. That's part of making that bold confession. They will die instantly. They tried it, and they found it was true. And they questioned, of course, these guys... They would love to know the cure for the bubonic plague, right, in those days. What is that? They questioned. I replied, that's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. When a man's spirit and a man's body are filled with the blessed presence of God, it uses out of the pores of your flesh and kills the germs. Suppose, on the other hand, that my soul had been under the law of death, and I were in fear and darkness, the very opposite would have been the result. The result would have been that my body would have absorbed the germs, these would have generated disease, and I would have died. You who are sick, put yourself in contact with God's law of life. Read his word with the view of enlightening your heart so that you will be able to look up with more confidence and believe him. Pray that the Spirit of God will come into your soul, take possession of your body, and its power will make you well. That's the exercise of the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. 
That's the end of John Lake's words there. But there is something that's just as important as that to partake of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, and that is eat the lamb, eat the word, devour it. I mean, not just theologically understand it, but act on it so that it actually becomes a part of you, you know. Write the word upon your heart. And when the time comes and you're put in that position, God said he would bring what he has spoken to you to your remembrance. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against him, right? The word of God, folks, is our shield and our buckler. The truth is our shield and our buckler, Psalm 91. It will protect us. We're going to need that protection in the days to come. Many, many Christians are going to pass away because they don't have it. But John Lake was a demonstration, and he was a doctor. But he didn't use any of that. He was a demonstration to the people around him of the power of God, a man that could be so confident in God. Now, you know, John had his faults, like most of us, but he understood grace too, didn't he? And he understood that this benefit wasn't given to perfect people. This benefit was given to preserve his people so that they could become perfect, <laughs> so, so that they could grow up in God. So don't let the devil tell you that this is only for perfect people. It's for people who walk by faith. It's for people who are confessed up on their sins. It's for people who are not walking in willful disobedience. The preservation of the Lord is with his people who will confess him before men. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your word living in us. We thank you so much, Lord, that you will bring to our remembrance all things that you've said unto us. We thank you so much, Lord, that you are working in us to will and to do of your good pleasure. We thank you so much, Lord, that you'll open our understanding and our mind so that we can partake of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, so that we can abide in him, so that we can eat all of the lamb. Lord, give us the real full gospel. Lord, we've heard about the full gospel for so many years, and many churches claim to have it, but they don't partake of the benefit of the life of Christ, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. They don't partake of that benefit. So, Lord, give us the real full gospel. Help us to understand everything that you accomplished for us at the cross so that we can be partakers of it. And, Lord, thank you for your gift of faith living in us. We know that when you died, you bore our unbelief away, Lord Jesus, and we know that you made reconciliation in order to give us your faith. So now we have your faith. And we know we were crucified with Christ, and we don't live any longer. You live in us. Your faith is in us. Your holiness is in us. We accept this gift, O Lord. We accept this gift. Lord, we praise you. We praise you that your power is living in us. Your faith is living in us. We know that we're accounted righteous because we believe you, Lord. We trust in you, Lord. And we know that if you didn't draw us and give us life, Lord, that we wouldn't be doing this. So it's all by grace. We've got nothing to brag about. It's all by grace. So, Lord, we're putting our 
trusting you today, that you'll preserve us through the times to come. We're trusting, Lord, that you will raise up in us Emmanuel, God with us, that Jesus Christ will live in us, that he will be more than sufficient to overcome in the days to come. We'll be more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for continuing to prepare us, Lord, for these days. Lord, we want to be a demonstration to those around us of your power, of your grace to deliver, of your love to preserve and take care of your children. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you that um, we don't have to save ourselves. Thank you that you've already taken care of that. In the name of Jesus. Amen. For information, materials, and to contribute, go to www.americaslastdays.com. Contributions only may be addressed to David Eels. Post Office Box 231616, Montgomery, Alabama 36123. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
bless you. That's kind of a down south greeting there. Hey, folks. <laughs> Which is where I live, so can't help it. God bless you, and thank you for joining us today uh, for the Unleavened Bread Bible Study. And we bless you in Jesus' name. We're just going to ask the Lord to have mercy upon us and um, come and um, share some words with us and uh, do his wondrous works too. Lord, we love to see the Lord's signs and wonders following, don't we? Praise be to God. Well, Father, we, uh, we thank you for being our Father. We thank you for giving us the privilege of calling you Father. Thank you, Lord. Oh, praise you, praise you, praise you. We love you. We appreciate you so much, Lord. And um, we have such a sorry way of showing it, though. Uh, help us, Lord. Help us. Give us grace to remember uh, who you are and and what you've done and how that we do not deserve it. And uh, so, Lord, just help us. Just help us. Put the... But the gratefulness in our heart that you deserve. And um, obviously, Lord, if you don't put it there, we're just in trouble. You know, we we depend upon you for everything. We can do nothing without you, just as our Lord and Savior said. We can do nothing without you. So, Lord, um, have mercy on us. Put that gratefulness in our hearts. Put the faith in our heart that pleases you. Give us what you call in Romans your gift of righteousness because, Lord, it just doesn't come natural to us. Um, it comes natural to Jesus, and we know that Jesus is coming to live in us. We thank you so much, Lord, for your good news. We thank you. We thank you, for Lord, for reaching out there and touching the brethren, Lord, and meeting their needs and confirming the word as always, with signs and wonders and healings and deliverances and provisions. Thank you, Father. We depend upon you, Lord. And, Lord, send your latter rain quickly. Lord, um, you can do so much more through us with the anointing. We know the anointing can break the yoke. And um, that's what we need, Lord, the old yoke of the old man, just your anointing, your mercy, Lord. Lord, help us to be merciful and uh, loving to others and um, help us to um, give what we will receive. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, be with us in this meeting and anoint it, Lord, and touch the brethren to share their testimonies, Lord. We love to hear them come on the mic and share their wonderful testimonies. It encourages people so much. And we praise you for that, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, I want to answer a question here. Um, we're going to do a TV program a little later, but um, I want to answer a question here that um, has been given to me about uh, curses. Uh, it was told to me that um, someone said that I had uh, uh, put a curse on someone, okay? And um, this person said that I had cursed them, or he's been saying that, that I had cursed him, and uh, which is um, kind of ridiculous, but I want to share with you what the Bible has to say about this. I had some questions that people have asked about curses uh, in the New Testament, and um, I'll point out some things to you that might be interesting to you, okay? First of all, the Bible says in um, Proverbs 26, 
that in verse 2 that the curse that is causeless uh, literally in the Hebrew cometh not to pass. The curse that is causeless cometh not to pass. So I know Christians have asked, you know, can, you know, occultic people, you know, witches, uh, so on and so forth, can they put curses upon you? Well, I want to tell you that whatever they put on you cannot last very long, you know, uh, if you're walking by faith in the gospel, you know. And um, God's gospel breaks every curse for those that believe. Of course, if you believe you've got a curse, then you got one. And um, But the curse that is causeless, now what we're talking about is from God's point of view here, if there is a cause, that's the only way a curse can come upon a person, if there is a cause, according to the Scriptures, if there is a cause. And this is absolutely from God's point of view because the Scripture says, for instance, in uh, Numbers 23, let me read that to you. Numbers 23 and verse 8. And this is the story of uh, Balaam and Balak. Uh, some people probably would, you know, have issue with Balaam, but the Bible doesn't say he was a false prophet. <clears throat> Not once. It um, only points out that uh, he was seeking to gain from his prophecy. That's what God rebuked him for. Is seeking to gain from his prophecy, and um, but he was a very accurate prophet. Everything he said, we know of in the scriptures, was dead on. And verse eight says, "How shall I curse whom God has not cursed?" Just how can that possibly be? If someone says that they've got a curse, I wouldn't call them a liar. I wouldn't doubt it a bit, but I have to say that. Nobody can curse whom God does not curse. Nobody. Okay, That's a clear word of God. And God also said in Numbers 22 and 12, And God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. In other words, you can't curse somebody that is blessed. Okay? Um, you say, David, I've had curses come upon me. Yeah, but let me tell you something, folks. They can come because of unbelief. They can come because of rebellion. They can come because of things hidden in your heart, like Job. You know, they can, but they always have a cause. And according to this, the cause has to do with God Himself. How shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? And how shall I defy whom the Lord hath not defied? So therefore, if a curse comes on someone, what they need to do is pay attention to God. What is he telling you? Why is this upon you, right? And uh, we also know, quite plainly, from Deuteronomy 28, it speaks about, the 27 and 28 uh, speaks about the curse. And there's not one instance in here that it says that the curse comes from the devil. The Lord says he is the one that sends the curse. Okay. Now, does he use the devil? Of course. And um, he can use ministers to uh, turn people over to the devil who will curse them too. We know that from the New Testament, right? Uh, but 
God takes credit. First of all, Deuteronomy 27 and 26 says, Cursed be he that confirmeth not the words of this law to do them. You better agree with God's word. And that's what God is saying here. Cursed be he that confirmeth not the words of this law. If you're uh, a person that's um, trying to get around the word and tweak it for your own um, self-satisfaction or your own defense or anything like that, God says he'll send you a curse. Okay? Deuteronomy 28 and 15 uh, says, But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Now, that's what God says. And uh, the curse, the curse, uh, the word for curse here is the exact same one as in uh, Proverbs 26 and 2. Same word. Okay, so, uh, and as you go down through here, you read this, you see very plainly, that the Bible says over and over that um, God says he will do this. Uh, verse 20 says, the Lord will send upon thee cursing. And then he lists a bunch of curses, you know. And uh, uh, verse 21, the Lord will make the pestilence cleave unto thee, so on and so forth, on down. Uh, 24, the Lord will make the rain of thy land powder and dust, right? 25 is the Lord will... Curse thee to be smitten before thine enemies. And uh, 27 is the Lord will smite thee with the boil of Egypt, and so on and so forth. The Lord will, 28, uh, smite the, thee with madness and blindness and astonishment. And, and just all the way down through here, it's the Lord. 35, the Lord will smite thee in the knees and in the legs and the sore balls. So 36, he will, will bring thee and thy king that thou hast over the unto and they so on and so forth. Just it just keeps on going. It's the Lord. He doesn't give credit to the devil for any kind of sovereignty whatsoever. Now he uses the devil, but he uses vessels, all kinds of vessels of honor and dishonor. Both spirit beings and um earthly beings. He uh he uses all of these, but he's the one that you have to deal with and it's for a very good reason. So that if something comes upon you you have to deal with him. It's, um, it's so that you repent, so that you turn to him, so that you're very humble towards him. Okay? So you can't blame anybody for this. You've got to go right back to the source. We're not giving credit to the devil. He didn't give credit to the devil. See? And um, even Paul, you know, in 1 Corinthians 5 and 5, when he turned a man over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, uh, this wasn't what some people would consider a curse, but um, in effect, the devil cursed this man to make him count the cost and repent of his evil life. And um, in First Timothy one and twenty, you know, Paul turned uh, Hymenaeus and Alexander over to Satan. And that they might be taught not to blaspheme is what it says, you know. I'm suggesting, you know, that First uh, Timothy uh, 1 and 20 is probably blaspheming someone else besides the Holy Spirit. But um, don't really absolutely positively know that, but that's what I'm suggesting, and there's a reason for that.
they were taught not to, you know. And quite often when a people blaspheme the Holy Spirit, the Bible says uh, pretty plainly that um, they don't get forgiveness for it. Jesus said they would not get forgiveness for it. That's in uh, Matthew 12. I'll read that to you. Matthew 12 and um, 31, is it? Let's see. Let me read that to you. But no doubt, see, the word blaspheme means to speak against, to rail against, to um, so on and so forth. And uh, it can be against people. It can be against God's ministers. If you do that, you'll get the same result. But against the Holy Spirit, Jesus said there is no forgiveness. Let me read that to you. Matthew 12, I'll see, let's see, verse 27. They had accused Jesus of doing his works by Beelzebub. Now, they accused him of doing his works by the devil, okay? And um, the same people have accused me of um, of uh, spirit of divination uh, and witchcraft. And um, when they accused Jesus of doing this, he said, uh, blasphemy against me will be forgiven, right? Uh, verse 31 Therefore I say unto you, every sin and blasphemy that shall be forgiven shall be forgiven unto men. But blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And um, whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever shall speak against, which is what the word blasphemy means, speak against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world nor in that which is to come. Pretty dangerous, right? And... Um, you know, the, the same person that um, accused me of doing uh, works by a spirit of divination and uh, witchcraft is one who, um, I quote from his audio, I know David is an anointed teacher. And that was just a couple of months back here. An anointed teacher. Hmm. Well, you know what anointed is, right? It's somebody who is filled with the spirit to do what they do. Now, if someone is an anointed teacher and you uh, say that that anointing is a spirit of divination, you're doing the same thing Jesus is talking about here. You're attributing a work of the Holy Spirit to the devil. That's very dangerous, very dangerous, because you're not going to be forgiven that, not in this life and not in the life to come, is what Jesus said. Be careful, folks. Don't open your mouth until you know God has spoken. And um, I want to tell you who God is going to use to judge people like that. You know, um, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10 that um, be in readiness to avenge all disobedience when your obedience is made full. God will use ministers to do this like he did Paul. In First Timothy, like he did Paul in First Corinthians five and five, he will use ministers to do this, but he's not going to use somebody that's not obeying the Lord. And if they do it, the person is not obeying the Lord. It's going to come back on them. Okay, the Bible says, "Who art thou, O man, that judges?" And when you judge others, you judge yourself. Paul said that in Romans chapter two. You know. In other words, it's going to come back on you, folks. With what measure you meet it out, it'll be measured unto you again. Some people could complain that others are putting curses on them, 
But the fact that the curse is on them should tell you something right there. And um, you can't blame anybody else if you got a curse on you. Uh, because the curse that is causeless, the light is not. And no curse is going to come on anybody except God says so. You know, the Bible says in, in um, Jeremiah, uh, Lamentations, excuse me, Jeremiah, but in Lamentations, that who saith a thing and it cometh to pass except I, the Lord, have commanded it. Except I, the Lord, have commanded it. Nobody can command anything to happen except the, and it actually happened, except the Lord himself has commanded it. And, um, you know, that should tell us something. I mean, uh, for a person to admit and confess that they've been cursed tells you something right off. But the fact that God himself says he commanded it, that's uh, Lamentations 3 and 37. Who is he that saith, and it cometh to pass when the Lord commandeth it not? Out of the mouth of the Most High cometh there not evil and good? Wherefore doth a living man complain a man for the punishment of his sins? That's very plain. Nobody can command something and it come to pass without God being behind it. And Deuteronomy 27 and 28, God says, He's the one that sends the curse. Okay. Now, you and I, we know. We've studied enough of the Word to find out that um, Jesus bore the curse. Uh, that's not for people that are willfully disobedient. It won't help them. Uh, they'll stay under the curse. It's not for people that don't believe, you know, because there are Christians who uh, are entitled to the blessing of Jesus Christ. Galatians uh, 3 and 13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that upon the Gentiles might come the blessings of Abraham in Christ Jesus. So, Jesus bore the curse. For those that really know and understand the gospel, they're certainly not going to claim the curse. For anybody that's got any faith, they're certainly not going to claim the curse. They're going to claim the blessing. Because if you believe in the curse, the devil has a right to curse you. He will take advantage of that. He will curse you. For a person that doesn't really understand the gospel, they might claim a curse, but that's very foolish. Uh, now, if you're willfully disobedient, there isn't much you can do about it because it's going to come anyway. You can try to exercise your faith, but you won't have any faith because your heart condemns you, right? In Matthew 18 and 34, you know, the Bible says, if you don't forgive from your heart, if you don't forgive everyone from your heart, that um, my Father will turn you over to the tormentors until you pay what was due, right? Matthew 18, 34, 35. So shall my Heavenly Father do unto you if you forgive not everyone, your brother, from your hearts. If you've got a heart full of um, anger, and bitterness towards others, blaming others for your problem, then you're very likely going to get turned over by God himself um, to the devil to be cursed. You can't blame anybody for that. I shared with you, um, I don't one of our past meetings, how that the Lord spoke to me over at the corner of my house one day, and he said, 
something that the Bible already says about his people. But he spoke it to me personally. He says, I'm going to curse them that curse you, and I'm going to bless them that bless you. And uh, the next day, a man fell dead in the street out here in front of our house. And it was in the exact same place where his son um, cursed me to my son. Actually, at the time I was being told this, that was what was happening. Now, I didn't know it. I had no, it didn't, the Lord didn't need me to say anything. I didn't say a word, didn't even think it, didn't know it until this happened, you see. And um, God is, God defends his people. And he will continue to conf- uh, defend those who speak the truth and those who are anointed of him. He will continue to do that. And when uh, the wicked speak against him and judge those that uh, are the servant of another, the Lord will defend them, as we have seen here. And I remember years ago, you know, uh, God uses ministers sometimes, like he did the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 5 and 5 and 1 Timothy 1 and 20. He uses ministers sometimes to bring chastening upon people that are rebellious in the church. Um, you, you can't chasten anybody with a stick. You know, you can't use any kind of physical um, chastening upon rebellious children of God. But uh, God gives authority and dominion to his ministers. He sends them with this. They have it. And it's not for them that they do this. Anybody that uses or tries to use the power of God for their own selfish purposes uh, will find nothing but failure. You know, the First Corinthians 5 and 5 wasn't because Paul was being attacked. It was because this man was bringing leaven into the church. And, of course, we're seeing a lot of that nowadays, too, you know. And um, and Hymenus and Alexander, they were blaspheming. They were speaking against either God's ministers or God himself, probably God's ministers. And um, and God sent a curse upon them. Well, you know, the devil does administer much of the curse. He does administer much of it, you know, but you can't say it comes from wicked people on God's people. You know, I mean, uh, Balaam would have been considered wicked, obviously, because he was uh, wanting to take a bribe uh, to curse the children of Israel. And God says, no, you can't curse them because they're blessed. You can't curse them because they're blessed. Well, I'm going to tell you the same thing is true today. There's nothing changed, folks. You can't curse people who are blessed. You know, it's fruitless. And uh, the wicked might try it, but I want to tell you what will happen. It'll come back on their heads. Did you know that? Yeah. With what measure you meet, it'll be measured unto you again. See, who art thou, O man, that judges? A man has no authority to judge. Now, does God judge through men? Of course he does. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the spiritual man judges all things, and he is judged of no man. Now, how do those two verses fit together? Who art thou, old man, that judges? When you judge others, you judge yourself. And the spiritual man judges all things, and he judges no man. 
The spiritual man is in league with the Holy Spirit. Now, he can judge. In other words, God can do something through you that you cannot do yourself. You know, he warns us in Matthew 5 uh, to don't, not to call anybody a fool because you'll be in danger of the judgment. Doesn't he say that? Well, how come in Galatians 3, Paul calls the Galatians foolish Galatians? Was it Paul or was it the Holy Spirit? Do you see? What we cannot do in the flesh without getting judged, without bringing a judgment upon ourselves, the Holy Spirit can do through us because it's not us, it's him. If you prophesy, that's a false prophecy, folks. But if God prophesies through you, that's a true prophecy. Okay. Now, if you're angry with your brother, you're headed for judgment. That's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. But you know, the Bible says Jesus looked around about on them with anger because of the hardness of their heart. He tells us he's going to judge the man that's angry, but then he was angry. Well, who do you suppose it was that was angry then? It was the Holy Spirit. Now, if you've got any personal motivation for being angry, I would suggest you uh, not vent that, that you get rid of that, that you repent of that, because anger is unforgiveness, and God says he'll turn you over to the tormentors if, you, if you're not forgiving your brother. He'll turn you over to the tormentors. So you can't blame anybody else for your curse if it comes upon you because you've got bitter, angry criticism towards other people. You can't blame anybody but yourself. The curse that is causeless alighteth not. Look at the cause. Don't be blaming other people. Look at the cause. If, if you as a Christian are enduring a curse, um, say genetic or passed on, you know, uh, from generation to generation or uh, some disease or something like that, endure your trial faithfully, holding fast to the Word of God because you're not under a curse. Or, isn't that true? I mean, you, you're claiming by faith the benefits of the kingdom, and rightly so, even if you have to endure a trial of your curse. But, you know, um, the Bible says, that when the wicked do such things, it will come back on their heads. No, nobody can blame me for cursing anybody. Psalm 109 and 17 says, Yea, he loved cursing, and it came unto him. You hear that? He loved cursing, and it came unto him. He delighted not in blessing, and it was far from him. Wow. You mean... We can be cursing other people or being a curse to other people, and it will come back on us. Well, of course, it will come back on us. Exactly right. Now, the Bible says in John 3 and 27 that a man can receive nothing except it come from heaven. If you got a curse, folks, it ultimately is going to make its way back to God. Might have come through a man, it might have come through the devil, but it'll always make its way back to God because He said it's not possible for you to be cursed without Him. Okay, and Jesus Himself said that He could do nothing without the Father. Now, if Jesus could do nothing without the Father, can I do anything without the Father? But certainly not. 
Could I bring a curse on anybody unless it was the Father's will? Certainly not. And so for anybody to admit that they've been cursed, first of all, tells you that they're not confessing the gospel. They don't believe the gospel. And you don't want to go into the wilderness with anybody like that, folks, because, I mean, this is somebody that doesn't understand that they have given authority to the devil. Okay? And second of all, it doesn't come from man. It didn't come from man in the first place. It comes from God. And uh, you have to repent. You can continue on in the stubbornness and blaming everybody else for your problems, but you have to repent. If you don't repent, it's going to come upon you. Jesus said, I can of myself do nothing. John 5 and 30. Everything Jesus did, it was because of the anointing of the Father. You know, we have an awesome example of this in Numbers 16. Look at that. Show you this. Number 16. This is the story, as you know, of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. They brought a curse upon themselves by usurping the authority that God gave to Moses and to Aaron. And um, they were trying to blame Moses and Aaron for their problems when they were only mouthpieces. You know, they're just, uh, they're just the messenger boys, that's all. But uh, these wicked men were trying to blame their problem on um, Moses and Aaron and trying to usurp the authority of the ministry. And um, verse 28 says, Moses said, Hereby shall you know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of mine own mind. And as a matter of fact, that's what Jesus said. I can of myself do nothing. Okay? And so what did he do? The very next thing, I'll just read on down, it says, If these men die the common death of all men, or if they be visited after the visitation of all men, then the Lord hath not sent me. Uh Uh-huh. But if the Lord make a new thing, and the ground open its mouth, and swallow them up with all that appertaineth unto them, and they go down alive into Sheol, then you shall understand that these men have despised the Lord. So, you know, when somebody's got a curse on them, they sure couldn't blame Moses, could they? All he was was a mouthpiece, that's all, just a mouthpiece. Verse 31, And it came to pass, as he made an end of speaking all these words, that the ground clave asunder that was under them, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up. And their households, and all the men that appertained unto Korah, and all their goods. So they and all that appertained unto them went down alive into Sheol, and the earth closed upon them, and they perished from among the assembly. And all the men, all of Israel that were round about them, fled at the cry of them. They said, Lest the earth swallow us up. So they got away from them, right? And we know what they're swallowing people up is. It means your flesh swallowing you up, being overcome by the flesh. I mean, she that giveth herself to pleasure is dead while she liveth. They were swallowed alive by the earth, which is your flesh, you see. And uh, ministers nowadays, many are swallowed up by their flesh. They're in all kinds of lusts. And, um, and they can't blame anybody but themselves. These men couldn't blame anybody but themselves. They tried to blame Moses, 
And the people that were around him tried to blame Moses. Verse 41. And on the morrow, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, saying, You have killed the people of the Lord. <laughs> kind of ludicrous, isn't it? Anybody that reads the story thinks, Well, that's dumb. Why would they say, You know, well, that's the same thing that's happening now, folks. You can blame the vessel, or you can go back to the Lord and say, Lord, I repent. Why did you do this to me, right? You have killed the people of the Lord. And it came to pass when the congregation was assembled against Moses and against Aaron that they looked toward the tent of the meeting, and behold, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord appeared. And Moses and Aaron came to the front of the tent of the meeting, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Get you up from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. Why? Because they were given credit and blaming Moses for bringing this judgment upon wicked people. And guess what? God was about to judge them too. Be careful, folks. Be careful. If God's spanking you, you better humble yourself to him. Don't go blaming anybody else for it. A man has no authority to curse anybody. Verse 46, And Moses said unto Aaron, Take thy censer and put fire therein from off the altar and lay incense thereon and carry it quickly unto the congregation and make atonement for them. For there is wrath gone out from the Lord, and the plague is begun. And Aaron took as Moses spake and ran into the midst of the assembly. And behold, the plague was begun among the people. And he put on the incense and made atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stayed. And they that died by the plague were 14,700, besides them that died about the manner of Korah. Wow. And that was because what? They were trying to blame men for a curse that God sent. The men that were merely mouthpieces, and uh, God's wrath went against them. Well, first of all, these were servants of God. There wasn't any spirit of divination in them or witchcraft. These were servants of the Lord. The word of the Lord went forth out of them. Now, can someone be used of, the, of God in the New Testament to speak what most people would consider a curse? Well, you just saw it, Apostle Paul, but, you know, we've got other cases, like Acts 13. Let me read that to you. And when they had gone through the whole island unto Paphros, Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of understanding. The same called unto him Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elimus the sorcerer, for so his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn aside the proconsul from the faith. But Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, fastened his eyes on him and said, O full of all guile and all villainy, thou son of the devil, Thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, 
not seeing the sun for a season. Well, Paul knew a little something about the curse of blindness, didn't he? You remember he was persecuting God's people, and God smote him with blindness. And um, here he is being used as an obedient servant of the Lord to judge a wicked man who was hindering the gospel. And it goes on to say, And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. This is a teaching of the Lord, not a teaching of man here. You know, when people get out of line, God has given authority to his ministers. They are nothing. They are just mouthpieces, that's all. They have to be clean, they have to be obedient, or he won't, he won't use them. He won't use them like that. You know, 2 Corinthians 5, being in readiness to avenge all disobedience when your obedience is made full. Because if you're disobeying in the same area and you speak a word, well, then it's going to come back on you. See? So, um, I tell you, we got to fear the Lord in the days to come. There's going to be Ananias and Sapphira. And there's going to be like these people who were smitten to death in the, in the manner of... Um, the Korah Rebellion, in the matter of Moses and Aaron, who were servants of God, speaking the word of God. It's coming, folks. It's coming. Listen, uh, what does God say about the curse in Isaiah 54? Let me read that. Let's read in verse, uh, say, 13. And all the children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. In righteousness shalt thou be established, and thou shalt be far from oppression. For thou shalt not fear from terror, for it shall not come near thee. Behold, they may gather together, but not by me. And whosoever shall gather together against thee shall fall because of thee. Notice what the Lord says here. You know, wicked men cannot come against God's people who are delivered from the curse and get away with it. Verse 16, Behold, I have created the smith that bloweth the fire of coals and bringeth forth a weapon for his work. And I have created the waster to destroy. See, the Lord himself takes authority for any Wasting destroyer, whether you think that's a beast kingdom or whether you think it's the devil, doesn't make any difference whatsoever. He is the one. He takes credit for it. Verse 17, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. Now, who is he talking about? Those who are taught of the Lord, it says. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. So who could preach, who could speak a judgment upon those who are taught of the Lord? Nobody. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness, which is of me, saith the Lord. Their righteousness, which is of me. No weapon formed against thee shall prosper. So, 
anything happens to you, folks, you got to go first to God. You got to go first to God Almighty, and you got to find out why He did this because He He does take credit for this, and He gets a little bit uh, obviously from the scriptures angry at people that don't give Him credit here. You know the. Armenian doctrine is a strong delusion, and in our day, and especially in prosperous parts of the world, it, it seems to thrive. Um, but the truth is, it doesn't give credit to God for doing what He says He does. Uh, they basically believe that only good comes from God, and all the bad comes from the devil, and that the devil has some sort of form of uh, sovereignty, basically, some form of free will. The Bible doesn't give Him that. Especially, especially dealing with God's children. The Bible don't give him that power. But men do. And it's a way of getting out of answering to God for your sins. When God spanks you, folks, it's God spanking you. you know, go to him. Ask him. Find out why. And if you confess your sins, and he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. That's not for willfully disobedient people, because if you sin willfully after you receive the knowledge of the truth, there remains no sacrifice for sins. If you've been warned and you keep doing it, even if you justify yourself, even if you twist the scriptures, it won't do you any good. God will spank you. You know, I was in a church um, a few years ago, and uh, I shared the word there. It was uh, not a full gospel church, so I was being very careful, but I was sharing testimonies of the Lord's healing of me and being very consistent at it, and I, I, um, I did it with a lot of grace. And I was watching the faces of the people in this congregation because I, I knew most of them had never heard anything like that. And I was watching their faces, and I could see they were receiving it. And uh, matter of fact, we ended up praying for some of them, and God healed them. But uh, made all the elders mad. This church was, you know, not a full gospel church. The elders were not elders because they hadn't been ordained, not God's former fashion in the Scriptures at all, but it wasn't according to their doctrine. This was not a full gospel church, but their people were sickly. They were having trouble. There was a lot of people there that were sick and needing help from God, and these guys were standing in the way, basically with their theology. And um, there was one elder there out of the, I don't know, Five or six that were there. There was one. He he uh, was totally with me. I mean, he, he heard and he was there. You know, it was it was all him, and he was just joyous, grinning from ear to ear. But um, every one of the rest of those elders came against me. Do you know that God made every one of them sick so that they couldn't show up for some time? They didn't even show up at their own church meetings. For some time, I know because I went there. I kept going back, you know. And uh, the people would speak up and say, "Where's all of our elders? You know, where's all of our elders? You know, they were all sick because they withstood the word of the Lord." And um, I remember when I first came to this town, I was um, um, teaching in a, a meeting and was received very well. And uh, but there were two other ministers there. One of them was the pastor of this particular church, and the other one was an evangelist who had come to speak. And um, neither one of these guys were particularly righteous, 
You know, they were doing things that were sneaky and out of line and out of order and being a bad witness to the people of God and uh, basically, you know, showy-type people, you know. And um, one day I said, Lord, what do you what do you want to do about this, you know? And the Lord reminded me of Abimelech and the men of Shechem. And after I asked him, that's what he reminded me of. And, um, you know, the men of Shechem colluded with Abimelech to kill the sons of Gideon and um and give their give the um the kingdom to Abimelech. And so it was an evil alliance. And basically these two people had an evil alliance because they would get up in front of the church and pat one another on the back, you know, and how great so-and-so is and how great so-and-so and back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I was getting kind of sick listening to it. <laughs> and I said, Lord, what do you want to do about that? And he reminded me of that. And I said, okay, Lord. And you know what the Lord did, by the way? Um, he separated Abimelech from the men of Shechem by sending evil spirits in between them. He said, God doesn't send evil spirits. Go back and read it, folks. Yes, he does. He sent evil spirits to to Saul. He sent evil spirits that came between them and divided them, and they made war on one another. So, so I said, okay, Lord, you're saying that because this is an evil alliance here and not for good and, and the things that they're doing is are dishonest and so on and so forth, you want me to pray this? And so I, I did. I prayed. I said, okay, Lord, please. Uh, send your spirits in between these two wicked men. Folks, <laughs> I prayed that one evening. The next morning, I heard that these two had fallen out with one another and were angry with one another and didn't want to even talk to one another again. And you say, well, David, why would you do such a thing? How could I do such a thing? If you listen to the verses that we just read, who saith the thing and it cometh to pass? Except I, the Lord, have commanded it. See, who said I did it? How could I do it? Who am I to do anything like that? And sometimes he's cursed people that just cursed me, and I didn't even know anything about it, like that situation with the man who had put cursing in his son, by the way, raised him up that way, and he died out there in the street. Well, I wouldn't even have thought about doing that, but nobody could blame me for it. I didn't have anything to do with it. But God said he would bless them that blessed me and curse them that cursed me. And I tell you what, he's done that over the years because I've been faithful to the Lord. And that's not bragging because, to tell you the truth, I'm nothing without him. He's given me grace. He's drawn me. He's given me a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. I've paid my dues. I've gone through a lot of suffering. I've gone through, you know, because of walking with the Lord and desiring to walk by faith and all these things. And um, people that that haven't gone through all that, you know, seek to uh, to uh, put their curses upon me. Well, it ain't going to work because God is my Savior, and uh, he'll return their curses right back upon their heads. And um, anyway, I've got a lot of testimonies of situations like that where that the Lord defended me, and I know that he will continue to do that. It's a dangerous thing, folks. It's a dangerous thing to come against somebody who represents the Lord. You know, we're ambassadors for Christ. You know, it's a dangerous thing to do something to an ambassador on this earth, much less an ambassador from heaven. It's a dangerous thing. 
oh, I know there's arrogant men, and they want to defend themselves, and they have their own ambitions, and they all run off at the mouth, but they won't get away with it. And I thank God that he does defend his, his children. It doesn't have to be just ministers. Any of his children, he'll defend them. And many of you out there, you've got testimonies of the same thing, that people who cursed you ended up cursed, you know? People who are people who not just cursed you, but were a curse to you. In other words, a curse can be many things, you know, not just blasphemy. It can be many things. So I say, fear the Lord and depart from evil. I shared with you about the, the two women that actually got up in my face and rebuked me, and uh, both of them got sick that day. Both of them went to the hospital that day. One of them had a uh, really bad kidney infection. The other one had a brain tumor. Uh, I didn't have anything to do with that. The Lord just told me, hey, just be quiet. I'll take care of it. He did. He took care of it. But it brought the fear of the Lord to these two ladies, and I'm glad of that. I mean, I wouldn't want anything to happen to them. I don't want anything to happen to anybody. I would like everybody to repent. And I was so glad when they came to me and, you know, asked my forgiveness and asked me to pray for them. I was so glad to pray for them. I always am. It's not a competitive thing with me. You know, I I, I want to see all of God's people repent. And they did, and God healed them too. Thank you, Father. But I don't do that lightly. If I'm, if I'm called upon by the Lord to turn somebody who is in rebellion over to the devil for the destruction of their flesh, I don't do that lightly. I don't. I know what the Lord has shown me, that if this old flesh is judging for the purpose of retaliation or anything like that, I'm going to get a spanking. And uh, I fear the Lord. I don't want any spankings. Uh, and when he tells me something like that, I say, are you sure, Lord? Is that you, Lord? Give me a sign, Lord. <laughs> I'm just careful. I'm real careful, you know, because I I know what his word says. Who art thou, old man, that judges? God will send his judgment upon you for for um, defending yourself or retaliating, you know. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. And yes, he will. i tell you what, folks. If we haven't had a confirmation, a powerful confirmation of God's defense in the last couple of months, I just don't know what is. The devil has tried everything to stop these um, videos from going forth, and every time he's had to back off because we stood by faith, the brethren out there stood by faith, and in every case, a miracle after miracle after miracle. Even Bob sitting here, he had his computer healed, you know. We put that testimony on the, in the testimonies. It's real good, you know. God just one right after another. Praise be to God. I mean, we weren't slowed down. Because whenever anything happened, we immediately got the deliverance, just one right after another. Thank you, Father. Oh, Lord, we praise you and we thank you. We thank you for defending us. We thank you for opening the doors before us. We thank you for granting repentance to those that are coming against us. And, Lord, we love them. We just ask your grace and your mercy towards them. And um, we pray that anything that's been passed on to them through their childhood, through their lineage or whatever, any spirit that has taken advantage of them, that they be delivered of it, Father. But you grant repentance, Lord. We thank you. 
We thank you for your mercy, God. Paul was an enemy of the church. Oh, he thought he was doing the will of God, but he was an enemy of the church, Lord, and you granted him grace. You turned him around, and you made him a great servant of the Lord. And, Lord, we want to see more Pauls, Lord. We want to see more people who are fighting against your people and against your church, Lord. We just want to see you give such grace that these people turn around and serve you and not live under the curse of that blindness that Paul lived under or the curse that fell upon Korah, Dathan, and Abiram or the curse that fell on um, Hymenaeus and Alexander, blasphemy. Lord, uh, we ask in Jesus' name, Lord, we know that people do things in ignorance and foolishness and and pride and um, retaliation and anger. And we just ask, Lord, you send your grace to turn these Pauls around, Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, thank you, Lord. Lord, we're not, mer- we're not worthy that you should defend us, but we do thank you. And we know that the Lord Jesus bore our curse, and we stand on that in the name of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for blessing our brethren out there who love you, and uh, and even wherever they are along the the maturity path, Lord, that you would um, have mercy upon their foolishness and um, overlook their failures. And uh, as your as you know, as you've taught us, your blood does, Lord. And I grant them grace to to serve you, Father. And we just praise you. We praise you. Lord, we know that your grace is going out through the word to um, convict, to restore the fear of the Lord, to uh, cause people to question you and and um, confess their sins to you and to ask for your mercy. And we thank you, Lord, that you're giving it and that you're, you're blessing them and that you're going to deliver them from the curse that's come upon them for these things. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. In the name of Jesus. Oh, praise be to God. For information, materials, and to contribute, go to www.americaslastdays.com. Contributions only may be addressed to David Eels, Post Office Box 23-1616, Montgomery, Alabama, 36123.
I am Pastor Ernie Sanders, the voice of the Christian resistance. Stay tuned. My radio broadcast, What's Right, What's Left, is coming up right now. occupation of our homeland and uh, tonight we're going to start off with uh, one of my favorite people in the whole wide world uh, someone that is an extreme pro-lifer and uh, that's one of the ladies that we have here with us often Jan Porter are you there Jan are you there Jan is Jan there me can we bring her up hello I'm still here Okay, we've been having some some difficulties here. Folks. Try this phone. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you now. Okay, mm-hmm. so I'm glad to be here, Pastor. I'm not sure what the problem was, but I'm here. Yeah, well, we've had some problems tonight. The devil's been in the equipment here tonight. Uh, I wanted to start out by asking you a question, and that is, when what has been when taking place with um, what we saw last night with the debate, uh, where you have these these candidates. Uh, they're not, you know, they're not acting very smart. I can tell you this: they're they're giving the opposition all kinds of ammunition to use against them, and oh, they will, you know, uh, if they think they've been, you know, saving this stuff up for each other. Just wait till what uh, when the, the in the general election. But uh, a lot of people don't realize, you know, when you're out there, how hard it is and. Uh, when you're running and to, to stand out there and then to have somebody get up and knowingly just tell flat out lies that are not true and yet the vast majority of people don't know because well this this person's been in office for a while they've been an incumbent and they've been reelected so therefore uh, you know they must be telling telling the truth what is is wrong with people? Uh, a lot of them they just don't understand why there's so much anger against the establishment. Because a few of us out here understand uh, what is what is wrong. We understand uh, that you know compromise always leads to more and more compromise. And you are somebody that you're really up against it here, running against uh, the establishment incumbent lawyer Larry Obhoff. I mean, he is, um, you know, uh, they, he has all of the Republican Party money behind him. And 
And that's uh, a lot of money, let me tell you. I know. And you're really up against it. I want to ask the folks out there listening to us right now in the 22nd Ohio Senate District, Jan, look, if you folks that have been listening to me all of these years, if you trust what I'm saying, I want you to trust Jan Porter. Which I've known her, I've been with her, and, and she speaks from the heart, and she tells you the truth. She's telling you the truth out there. And um, you're really up against it, aren't you? Well, what you just described is kind of what I lived last night, where typically what happens at these events is I get uh, two minutes, and then Larry comes on after me and tries to undo what I said. I don't get a chance to rebut. There's no, there's no, uh, you know, counterpoints, nothing. And and what happened was I told them, about, told the people there at the event that um, that I was there picketing. Um, uh, John Boehner, back when he was he was looking to fund Obamacare, and we said to him, there's a chant we said. He said, you fund it, you own it. And I said, my opponent is a nice guy who votes wrong. And not only blocked the most pro-life bill, but he actually voted to fund Obamacare. And so I sit down, and he stands up, and he says, look, I got this piece of paper that says I didn't vote to fund Obamacare. And that, you know, he tried to take it out. He may have tried to take it out, but the bottom line is he didn't have the courage to vote against the budget. He is the very definition of establishment. He was just voted in as Speaker Pro Tem. That means he's the number two guy in the Senate. Uh, he is the heir apparent of the, of the presidency of the Senate. And the reason this race matters is because if, if he wins, then we're not going to see heartbeat bill for the rest of his career because if he's the president of the Senate, he can block it completely. And so that's why this race matters. I'm running to end abortion. But on the issue of Obamacare, here's the deal. He can, he can talk about whether there was an amendment to guard our state funds or at least hold them uh, in, in bay and, and, and reevaluate it at some point in the future. But the bottom line is he voted to fund Obamacare, which came primarily from our federal dollars to begin with. It, it state, state money comes later. He can debate whether that comes later or much later. But the bottom line is... Obamacare was in the budget. We all saw the debate. We know that in the previous debates, John Kasich was called on it. Say, hey, look, what are you doing? What are you doing expanding Medicaid? What are you doing with funding Obamacare? And he defended it, thought it was a great idea. It's all free money. And he's like, there's a great big warehouse of money in Washington, and, and aren't, we, aren't we smart to cash in on it? Well, guess whose money it is? It's our money. And guess whose taxes are paying for it? Oh, yeah, that's ours. And so what happens is uh, th this bill was passed in the budget, and it, it went through the House, it went through the Senate. They didn't like it, but they voted for it because in the, at the end of the day, John Kasich signed it into law, and it's part of the law. And guess who voted for that budget? Larry Aboff. And guess what's in that budget? That's right, funding Obamacare. So he can stand up and hold up a piece of paper, but the bottom line is he cast the vote to vote for the budget and Obamacare, whether it was state money, we can debate about that. And that's, and that's another debate, and I can tell you what I believe about it. He can tell you what he believes about it. But one thing that's indisputable, federal dollars that we've now just committed to spending are a part of that budget that we've now said yes millions and millions, tens of millions of dollars are now approved because of his vote to fund Obamacare. And what it does is it now expands the Medicaid to able-bodied, working-age people who, who are primarily not disabled, 
who are primarily without dependent children who are, are, are now being covered by Medicaid. Because you know why? There's just so much money. The government just has so much money. How many trillion are we in debt? We've just got so much money that we're going to cover those who are working and able-bodied, who are not disabled, with no dependent children. That's what Larry Alboff voted for, and it was primarily a absolute portion of the so-called Affordable Health Care Act, the thing we now know as Obamacare. He voted to fund it. So I just say this. If he says he's against Obamacare, the question, why did you vote to fund it? You say you're pro-life, then why did you block the most pro-life bill that's ever passed the House of Representatives? You know what it is, Pastor. It's the heartbeat bill. And so what we've got to do is communicate to people. If we, if we can tell them the truth, we win. In fact, I'll just tell you something. I just got off the phone with a guy who was going to have a home party for me tonight. I wouldn't be able to be on the air right now because he was going to have a home party for me. But somebody got to him and said, oh, Janet, she's, she's not telling the truth. In fact, they used the word, the L word. She's a liar. And so he canceled his home party. So I just got off the phone with him, and he said, I'm, you know, I'm going to put your signs out. I'm going to get your literature out. Thank you for telling me the truth. I just spent an hour on the phone with the guy explaining the situation, explaining what happened, that the very reason I'm running is because they refused to pass the heartbeat bill. And, and what happens is, and you know this, Pastor, you were just in the, the, uh, uh, the video that we released. It's the video that exposes Ohio right to life. Yeah, a lot of people don't like it. Well, I'll tell you what I don't like. I don't like baby killing. And I don't like people that are working for, to, to block bills to protect babies. And that's what Ohio right to life is doing. They've become, as you've eloquently said, the right to regulate. Interestingly, and this is what should have been in that video, Pastor, is that Ohio Right to Life doesn't just work against the heartbeat bill. They worked against every way, to every means to protect babies from conception, the personhood amendment. They were there lobbying. While I was there testifying to, for a bill that would protect children from conception, the Tom Brinkman bill, you remember that, about a decade ago? Oh, yeah. They were there standing next to Planned Parenthood and NARAL, and they were fighting that bill. They were fighting any bill that ends abortion. And I'm telling you, if you do that, you don't deserve to be called right to life. Uh, right, to le right to regulate is a very kind way to put it. And so when, when Larry Arboff stands up and says, oh, I'm the only one who's been endorsed by Ohio Right to Life, and I'm on the honor roll, and aren't I pro-life? Well, you know what? If you're as pro-life as you say you are, then why didn't you sign a discharge petition to force a floor vote on the most pro-life bill that's ever passed the Ohio House? He wouldn't do it because he's an establishment guy. And the establishment didn't want it because Ohio Right to Life didn't want it. And that's why Dr. Jack Wilkie spoke at the CCV banquet telling everybody, don't give Ohio Right to Life another dime. That's the guy that founded Ohio Right to Life, telling him, don't give him another dime. So I get a call. John Adams is another candidate that we need to support. He's a guy that was in the state house who signed the discharge petition when we tried to get it through there. He was with us when we stood outside the state house. I believe you were there, Pastor, uh, at the Appeal to Heaven rally. Yep. He was there, was there thick and thin. There, and when Matt Lynch, another guy that absolutely deserves our vote, Matt Lynch was the guy on the floor of the house. Who, who tried to amend a bill with the heartbeat bill to try and say, look, if you guys aren't willing to pass it, we're going to amend it. We're going to put it on this bill. Um, and John Adams' opponent was not, was not willing to do that. So, so what we're dealing with is a whole bunch of people who are doing the smoke and mirrors routine. 
You know, they're they're all they're all uh, you know pretending one thing and doing another. And uh, and so I'm trying to get to what my point was, and I'm, I'm, maybe it's a little too late for me to to, to 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 comprehend what I'm saying. But the point that we're saying is is we're we're not just here to regulate abortion. I want to end it. I just want to end it. And there are people like Matt Lynch who want to end it. And there are people like John Adams that want to end it. There are people like Ernie Sanders, Pastor Ernie Sanders, that want to end it. And I want to end it. I'm not an, I'm not a politician. I don't want to go in there and become, you know, a, a career politician. I want I don't want to get even. I don't really want to get comfortable there. I want to go. I want to read the parliamentary procedures, and I want to hold these guys accountable every single day. Because honestly, I'm just looking through some files. I'm sending this guy some information, right? And I'm looking through files, and I'm thinking. Here's, here's a file from 2010. Here, oh, here's one from 11, 12, 13, 14, 2015. We've been fighting this uh, since we introduced it, and I'm tired. I'm tired of fighting this from the outside. And if influencing the elected hasn't worked, it's time to become the elected. And that's what I'm asking for people to do, to join me. And I'm going to tell you something. If I can get the word out, then we can win. And if you help me, um, then we will not only work to end abortion, Repeal, uh, uh, repeal Common Core and defund Obamacare. That's my promise to you. Um, I'm the same person on the outside as I've, uh, I'll be the same person on the inside. Now you've heard that before, but if you want to know where I stand on, my, on the positions, I, I've written five books. They're, they're pretty solid. I'm, I'm going to stand for liberty. I'm gonna, I helped to draft the bill to protect the religious liberty of, of, of business owners. By the way, did you, see, did you see John Kasich last night at the debate? He said, hey, they should, just, they should just bake the cupcakes. Tell them to bake the cupcakes. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying when the homosexual agenda comes into your business, you better bow to it. You better just conform to it and deny what God says in his word and just bake the cupcakes. Just say a little prayer for them as they walk out the door. In other words, he says it's the law of the land. If it was 1857 right now, then John Kasich would be saying, well, the Dred Scott decision is the law of the land. Slavery's just the way it is. No, it's not. The Supreme Court was wrong then, and the Supreme Court was wrong at Roe versus Wade, and the Supreme Court was wrong in Obergefell. They don't have the right to make state law. They don't have the right to undermine the wishes, the votes of, of 50 million Americans. And John Kasich doesn't have the courage to stand up and say so. Then guess what? All of our religious freedoms are up for gra- are, are, are really in jeopardy. And, uh, and he's, he's not somebody. I used to support him. I used to be a spokesperson no longer because he's lost his way. He's become this establishment. And that's, that's what I'm running against, the Republican establishment that wants to block the issue of life, the issues of liberty, the issues of Common Core. You'll talk tough about Common Core, but he's had all these years to repeal it, and he's never introduced a bill or co-sponsored one to do that. So let me that's jump what in I'm here doing. for a second, and, and let me go back to Kasich. You're right. You wanted to know why wouldn't he support? Why wouldn't Obama support that? Because Kasich says that's not. I don't want you to. Right. I, I don't want to stop that, and that's what the Ohio right to regulates become. Whatever Kasich tells them to do, that's right. that's what they do. And you know, here here's here's what Kasich is saying to me. Here's what I'm hearing from him. Look, you know, you have to learn to compromise, right? Hey, you know what? It's the law. Get used to it. You know, you gotta. You can't be running around out there holding high standards, and you can't be running to your Bible to find out how you should live. In fact, he came right out and said that. That's right. I don't. I don't look to the Bible to see how I should govern. Look, That's part of his problem. There, that is his problem. Well, you know, the thing of it is, yeah, you got to get used to standing in a little bit of sewer. Standing out in a little bit of sewer won't hurt you. That's that's the message I'm getting from Kasich. It's look, whatever it takes, 
whatever it takes to get elected, that's the important thing. And he keeps telling people what a great job he's done to Ohio. Well, guess what? I live here, and it's not nearly like he says it is, okay? I'm looking around, and, and guess what? Most of the people in Ohio don't feel that the economy is so good. In fact, I look not very far from where I'm at right now. Uh, we have sanctuary cities out there. But, but that's okay, Jen, to have sanctuary cities for illegal aliens and jihadists and ISIS as long as federal money comes in, as long as we get some federal money, you know. And that's all right to, to have Obamacare and Medicaid abortions as long as there's federal money. And, and that's where, you know, that's okay to have common core. So what? So you... So you abuse the children, you dumb the little critters down. Hey, listen, there's a lot of federal money that follows that, you know. This is what Kasich's telling me, okay? I call that prostitution. That's what I call it. You know, when we've got a Republican governor, we've got a Republican House, and we've got a Republican Senate, and we, we, we say that we, uh, you know, adhere to the platform of the Republican Party, and we are indoctrinating the next generation uh, of Americans, and, or of Ohioans, uh, and, and really Americans, but, but in this state, we're indoctrinating them, we're frustrating them. I don't know if I mentioned the last time I was on, but I met a, I met a young girl in Ashland, Ohio. She was 12 years old. She told me she used to get A's in math. Now she's struggling to get C's. She told me that she has a friend who's so frustrated by this, where they make you go around the block to answer a math problem and fill out 42 pages of, of circles and squares and, 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 and to frustrate children when they can just simply learn their, their addition table, their, their subtractions. They, they, they don't, they're not being taught um, how, to, how to do things. And, and they're frustrated. She says, my friend is calling me up and she's or is, is confided in me and said, I want to commit suicide. They are frustrating our children to the place where they, they want to give up on life. And you know what? It's the Republicans that are responsible for this. And Larry Alboff can talk tough about uh, Common Core, but where's the bill? Show me the bill that you have embraced to, to repeal it. Where's the co-sponsored bill? Where's the sponsored bill? Where, where is it? He talks about he changed the name of a test. Whoop-dee-doo. What we need to do is, is give children a real education and what i think we need to do is give he's talking to them parents he's using my same language i'm told today that, that, that we need to give parents the choice of how and where to educate their children you do it with a bill one way is a bill that uh, they've introduced similar bill in, in texas that will it's called the, the the education emancipation act you know i was researching this pastor before i ever decided to run for office uh, why? Because I wanted to rescue the kids from the government schools. I wanted to put them in the Freedom Kit from our Light Winds documentary film. And so I said, give me a bill. I asked all around the country. I called people who were heading up groups all over this country. I said, give me a bill that rescues kids from the government schools. And I found this one. It wasn't because I was running. I found it because I wanted to rescue kids from the government schools and give this legislation to others. And so here's what it does. It doesn't have vouchers, which come with government strings, and say, well, you know, it's our money, so you can't use it for Christian education. No, no, no. It's your own money. You keep your own money, and you, and you choose to spend it wherever you choose. If you want to send your kids to Christian schools, then you do that. If you want to send them to charter schools, go ahead. Homeschool? You want to send it to government school, you can choose to do that, too. 
But the, 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 the bottom line is Christians' parents should not be double-dipped where you have to scrimp and skimp and save and, and, and do without so that your children can have a quality education, aligning with, it, with your beliefs, aligning with the Bible, and you get, have to pay for a failed government school system too? That's just wrong. That's not fair. And what I believe is we need, to, we need to go beyond repealing Common Core. That's just the starting place. We need to get back to some, some, some basics in education that parents can choose how and where to educate their children and do it with their own money. And when we introduce the free market into the education system, guess what? Everybody wins. Even the government schools are going to do better. You know why? Because if they don't, they're going to lose their government schools. These kids are going to have a mass exodus and go out the door if they don't do something different. Because right now, they've got a captive audience, and they're telling these kids, yes, got to learn this common core because we're getting a lot of money to do it. You saw the undercover videos. They said, we're not about kids. We don't care about the kids. It's all about the money. It's always been about the money. Well, guess what? It's about the kids, and we need to break the system that's dumbing them down, frustrating them, indoctrinating them, and, 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 and I believe the government schools are going to say, well, we're going to lose everybody if we don't change this. And they're going to do it because that's the only way the government schools can survive. The free market is the answer, and that's what I believe. And honestly, when I first started this, Pastor, I, I, was, just, I was just running because somebody had to, because nobody else would do it. Everybody else turned me down. So I ran because somebody had to do it. But now, the more I think about it, <laughs> we're going to have a lot. We're going to have a lot of fun down there. We're going to do a lot of things that we dreamed of doing, and we're going to introduce bills and hold people accountable. So that's if people want to be a part of the campaign. By the way, I'm just going to tell you in the final. I, I, I'm struggling with 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 how it is we can get that message out, and this is the way it's done. It's it's done with 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 your help. It's it's the campaign contribution of fifty dollars, hundred dollars, twenty dollars. Um, it's all. It's, you can just do it in in. in Five minutes, you go to JanetFolgerPorter.com. Why do I have the Folger in there? Last time I ran for office, when I was on the State Central Committee, I was Folger. Wrote, wrote a lot of books as Folger. I got married late, so I'm also picking up the coffee drinking vote, I think. So the JanetFolgerPorter.com, and you can be a part of this. Just click online. We've got, we've got two weeks left. And if I had help, we could get out another mailing. We could put commercials on Fox News. We could put them on Christian radio and 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 and, uh, and 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 some of the news stations like Rush Limbaugh stations. That's what that's what it's going to take to get the message out. And if you'll help me, I'm telling you what I believe this race is absolutely winnable. On the polls are showing on my phone calls as I'm making calls a three to one advantage for me. Was five to one? His ads are having an impact, but right now we're still ahead. We've still got a chance that when our message is communicated, when they know that Janet Folger Porter will work to end abortion and defund Obamacare and repeal Common Core, we will win. And with your help, we're going to take our government back. That's the plan. Well, you know, I, I need to tell the folks out there, too, that it's the last week before the primary that the opposition always spends um, the big bucks. They, they save it up, and then they do a last a minute, in effect, like what Dave Joyce did to Matt Lynch the last time. Uh, they sent out four different mailings I got within one two days, um, just blasted them and accused them of things that were not true, just like this latest commercial, if you've seen it. They've got Matt driving down the road in a Cadillac, throwing taxpayers' cash out the out the oh window. Oh my! Yeah, but anyhow, and and so what happened? He accused the man of all these things that were not true, but it was right. It was two days before the election, so Matt didn't have a chance or an opportunity to answer back. Okay. Yes. 
And that's what they do. And you get you be prepared for that too. And this is why folks listen to me. Wherever you're listening to me, all any place in the whole United States or wherever, you don't have to live in the twenty second Ohio Senate district to support her. Uh, here's you know, here's a woman um, that is one of us. Again, Jan is, is believe me, if if you trust us, if you trust me in this radio program, trust her. I've known her since she's been a high school girl. She she'll do it, she'll stand her ground, she won't back up and uh, folks, we need someone who's honest. Believe me, we, we need someone who's not a part of the, the system, not a part of the establishment. And what happens is these people, they get to Columbus, they get to Washington, and then they get they turn. And and the reason they do it is because you allow it. Listen, you know, ask Thomas Jefferson. He made it clear. And, and you allow it. You, you get what you deserve. And so here's a woman that you can support, someone who I, I can tell you will not back up, and she knows and like Matt Lynch and uh, and so her address if you go to Janet Porter uh, uh, Janet Folger Porter dot com and uh, that is dot com right yeah Janet Folger Porter dot com mm-hmm. and you can go up to her website or you can just if you wanted to just mail her a donation uh, where can they just mail you a donation to they sure can um, it's pretty easy it's P.O. Box 54 it's in Hinkley and the zip code is 44233, P.O. Box 54, Hinkley, Ohio, H-I-N-C-K-L-E-Y, Ohio, 44233. 4233. And, and um, you know, folks, do it. Support this woman. Um, help her because she, uh, we need her in Ohio. You know, we really do. And. Uh, Jen, we're we're going to put up a fight on this thing. Again, the reason that we have what we have out there is because people have tolerated. Right now, we do see the the, the sentiment across the country. You know, here's here, here's one of the things like I'm talking about. Donald Trump says, well, uh, he said that Planned Parenthood has done a lot of wonderful help help millions of women, and abortion killing child killing is only three percent of their business. And let me let me just read to you some of what they do. This is one of the article. High school students taught sex toys and porn by Planned Parenthood. Here's the rest of their business, folks. And by the way, <coughs> abortion is not three percent of their business. If, if you want to say it's three percent of their business, Donald, say it's about ninety percent of their income. But here, Northern California is now the business of peddling pornography, having seen fit to send two of its education workers who specialize in sex toys and how to share your sex life on stage and page t- to teach sex edge the public Echolanes Union High School in Lafayette, an affluent city in the San Francisco Bay Area. Mm. Okay, and so there it goes on in this article uh, talking about having uh, good vibrations with, with vibrators, uh, talking about, you know, things I can't even talk about on the radio here. Um, pleasure workshops and other things, you know, uh, how enthusiastically on attending the Catalystic Con Pornography Conference. You know, and, and they talk about getting credits to have sex, live sex, and being filmed. Mm. This is this is what Planned Parenthood is really all about, folks. And yet, Donald, Donald says, this, now Donald's right on some things. You know, when he, at least he's right on Common Core. Uh, he came out and he's writing that, but for him to make a statement like that, 
uh, it's like, you know, it reminds me of Kasich saying, you know, it's the law. Get over it. No, we're not going to get over it. Okay? Well, let me let me say something else. This might cost me votes, but but Donald Trump is. It, it, when you think about the Supreme Court that's in the balance, he's not the guy that I trust to make the appointments. I mean, this joke about his sister is. Jen, hold, hold tight. We're up against. It.
righty, we are back in the... That, Jan, is the Stockdale family van, and uh, guess where they're going to be tomorrow? Tomorrow. Uh, don't know. Tell me. They're going to be at Doers of the Word Baptist Church at 162 South High Street in Cortland, Ohio. That's great. And they're going to be there, and they are talented. I mean, they are really, they sing gospel and bluegrass from 2 to 6 p.m., from 2 to 6 p.m., and uh, we're going to have a really good time out there. Now, guess why we're doing this? Why is that? To raise money for Jug County Right to Life and Bella Women's Center. Uh, Wonderful. It's all about saving babies because we really do, we really do, we really, really, truly do believe God's Word the Bible uh, when it says to rescue them being led to slaughter and drawn to death. And so that's what we're going to be doing. And then guess what I'm going to be doing, Lord's willing, on Sunday? What's that? I'm going to be preaching a message, Jan, on uh, Bible prophecies, the Bible prophecies, major prophecy stories uh, that have happened here and around the world in the past year. Things that are, are coming in line with God's Word, the Bible, that it's so clear. It is so clearly uh, spelled out there, and they're happening now. But there's only a few of us out there, very, well, I say a few of us, I mean a very small percentage of the population that see it. We're looking at it, we're saying, oh boy, wow, it's here. We're seeing these things happening. Like, well, you know, some of the things that, that what I'm talking about would be, well, uh, the days of Noah. Remember what the Lord Jesus said about the days of Noah? Sure do. Where everyone did right, was right in his own eyes. And, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, here, so when we take a look at this, this whole thing with the rainbow, and this is kind of what I taught last night. Do you know what the rainbow is a symbol of? Uh, God's promise that he's not going to flood the earth again. Well, actually, you, that's a part of it, but the rainbow is a symbol of judgment, Jan. It's a, you'll find it four places in the Bible, and in every place it's a symbol of judgment. You find it there in, in uh Genesis 9, Ezekiel chapter 1, uh, you find it in uh, Revelation 4, you find it in Revelation 10, 1. Hmm. And it's two things, God's judgment, God's judgment, and then God, the glory of God in his judgment. In other words, God glories in his judgment. So it's judgment upon the sinner and glory to God. And that's what it's about. So when, when Obama flew the sodomite flag over the White House, do you know what he asked? He was asking, he was begging for God to judge America. Hmm. But but they're not smart enough to know that. The vast majority of people there in Cleveland, when uh, they flew the Sodomite flag, the rainbow flag over Sodomite Hall down there, they're begging for God's judgment on Cleveland. And that they don't know that God is long-suffering. And see, these people don't understand if it doesn't hit them right then, uh, they don't understand that God is long-suffering, but he's not slack. When it comes, when his judgment arrives, they're going to get the whole nine yards of it. Yeah. And, and then Israel's worsening uh, isolation. The Bible talks about that in Zechariah. And we're seeing Israel has no superpowers behind her anymore. None. She's virtually surrounded. We're going to take a look at them. And you know what? One of the other things is the disillusionment with today's politicians, Jan. That is one of the signs in the scripture, okay? Mm-hmm. And then uh, the rise of strong delusion and uh, the further decline of America. 
Uh, she's been given over to paganism. So, and then we, when we see right now, one of the things we're seeing is is uh, Israel being absolutely articulately prepared for the Antichrist. And so, and then we see right now, Gog is on the move, and people can't see that anyhow. And globalism and overdrive, all of these things are happening, and a lot more. I mean, I'm going to get into it. I have a whole lot more. Uh, the Pope is going out for globalism and a one-world religion. Uh, so we see all of these things, uh, which you know is very, very clear. And uh, that's if I can interject something, Pastor. Sure. Mm-hmm. I I, I want to just make sure that that people understand that. The, the, what's written in the Bible is going to happen just like it says. Absolutely. But 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 there's also the opportunity that maybe Second Chronicles seven fourteen could apply. That maybe if we if we turn from our wicked ways, we humble ourselves, we pray, we seek His face, and we we stop doing what He hates. That maybe we, we buy ourselves a little more time. That God would actually do what He says in Second Chronicles seven fourteen to hear from heaven, to forgive our sins and heal our land for for a while longer. And and I just believe that it says in Joel, in the last days, that God says he's going to pour out his spirit. That we're going to see the miraculous. We're going to start seeing uh, uh, God move in ways like we've only read about. And, and that's what I believe, that, that if there was hope for the, for the city of Nineveh, that there may just still yet be hope for America. And I have hope. And I'm running because I believe that we've, we've got our, we, life is short. And we've got, we've got really just a, a few years to spend and we spend it for the kingdom. This is this is kind of like a a, a a a a precursor to to eternity. How are you going to spend the life you have? Because it's really short. It's it's a vapor. And 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 what I want to do, I want to I want to do not just the things that we can all do on our own, and and nobody marvels and nobody gives God glory because these are things that normal people can do. I want to attempt to do the impossible. I want to step out and say, you know what? I don't want to regulate abortion anymore. I want I want to end it. I want to see the the freedoms of 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 Christians in this country protected. I want to I want to overturn Roe versus Wade. I want to overturn Obergefell, and I want to see a godly leader appointed to this country to be to be the president of the United States who can fill the vacancy of Justice Scalia and the others that will follow. We have an opportunity here, and I, I just believe that, that that we need to be getting on our knees and asking God to intervene for our country in the national elections that are going on this coming Tuesday. In the Ohio elections that are going on in, in, on March 15th, um, from the president all the way down, and so this is our opportunity. And I've told people at Faith to Action, I'm going I'm to put this video out again, that there are two things that we can do to steer our country. And if we did, if Christians did just two things, if they number one voted biblically, and number two voted in the primary, we could change the direction we're heading as a nation. Because you know this, Pastor. We did the rallies. We, we did the calls. We did the letters. We did the postcard campaigns and the ads and the, the balloons and the roses and the teddy bear. We did it all. But it wasn't, it wasn't what worked. What's going to work is when we, 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 we actually threaten the, the one thing they care about. I don't mean babies. That's clearly not what they care about most. What they care about most is their jobs. And if we Christians rise up right now all over this country all over the state anyone within the sound of my voice if you vote biblically and you vote in the primary we have a shot the best shot to get our country back 
and maybe maybe the last shot to get our country back but we got a shot and we better take it and i'm encouraging people to to fast and to pray and to get on their feet and to get the word out people are asking me all over the place where who do you support for president i'm going to tell you i support ted cruz because i trust him with the supreme court more than anybody else and it's the supreme court that's going to be ultimately deciding the direction of what we're allowed to pass, what we're allowed to do. It's not the way it should be. That's the way it's been. And so if we can change the Supreme Court to a court that honors God, a court that honors life, that honors freedom, and, 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 and really uh, central to, to, to the court's job is that they need to honor the Constitution. This is our chance. Don't blow it. Don't blow it. We've seen what's happened in the last the last eight years or seven years. You you bring it up at the beginning of every one of your shows. We are in occupied territory. But you know what? When David faced Goliath, that Goliath had occupied the land, and we've we've let these people in. How did it happen? It happened because we allowed it. We put it. We 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 we, we stayed silent. We listened to all the bullies who say, "Hey, Christians." You're not allowed to, to get involved. In, let us steer our country. Let us steer the, the country toward a cliff. What we've got to do is say, you know what? We've been bullied to say we the people doesn't include Christians. Guess what? It absolutely re- includes Christians. And Christians who've listened to that are going to be accountable for that. Jesus is Lord of all. He's Lord of the home. He's Lord of a, of a church. He's Lord of education. He's Lord of Hollywood. He's Lord of, of government. And so we've got to say there's no secular society and Christian society. We don't, as Kim Davis told me when I interviewed her for, for the extra feature soon to be released in Lightwind's documentary, she said, she said, I don't, I can't leave Jesus in the car when I go to the, off, the, the, the public, the clerk's office to become a clerk. No, he goes with me wherever I go. Students, he goes with you in the public schools. He goes with you in the marketplace, the public square. That's, that's really what we've got to do is have Christians who live like Christians, who understand that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. That we have an opportunity to change the course of history if only we will take it. That's the message. That's really what it's all about. It's not my campaign. It's, a, it's about our, our, our future of our nation and our state. Well, you know, you, you, you talked about Nineveh, and of course, the king of Nineveh says, who knows if the God of Israel will hear and, and, and he will have mercy on us. But let, let me tell you this. Let's just say that I, and, and I've had these situations where, you know, I've been, I've been told, look, you don't have a chance of winning that at all. Um, you go out, you don't have a chance of succeeding. But now, it was the right thing to do. Uh, a woman asked uh, Ted Cruz, you brought up Ted Cruz in, during the debate, would you be willing, can you compromise, can you learn to compromise and get along uh, with the with the others, with the Democrats? And, and his answer was not on principle. No, I will not comp- compromise on principle. Now, Jack, if I was told, look, you've got absolutely no chance of winning, um, I would still do it anyhow. And here's the reason, Jan, here's the reason. Two reasons. One. From Genesis to Revelation, God's Word the Bible teaches obedience to God. The number one thing that God demanded was obedience. Okay, last night I talked about this. You know, you often hear people say, well, 
uh, they bring up this argument, well, God raised up this person, God raised up this, and Manasseh was a wicked man, or uh, look at Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, these were wicked people, but God raised them up. God allowed um, Ahab. But you see, here's what they don't understand, Jan. You see, we're not God. See, we're, we're not God. See, God has expectations of us. We have obligations to him. And we're supposed to do what he has clearly told us to do. And in his book, he tells us here, in, in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 17, he says, Thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose, one from among the brethren. In other words, he's saying, you have to preach. Uh, here's what I want you to do. Forget about what I do. Here's what you do. Okay? See, God judges us. We don't judge God. God judges us. And then he, he goes on, Jan, and, and he says this in, in Jeremiah 30, 21 and 22. He says, And the nobles shall be of themselves, and their governors shall proceed from the midst of them. In other words, he's saying that you've got to pick them of your own people. In other words, Christian people, people that are, um, you know, we as Christians are to to elect Christian people. Now, you see, God, this is what God tells us to do. In fact, in Hosea, Jan, chapter 8 and verse 4, he says this, They have set up kings, but not by me, and they have made princes, mean legislators, and I knew it not. Okay? And he's saying, you say, you didn't consult me. You didn't do what I told you. You didn't do what I told you. Now, here's the other reason, Jan. You find it spelled out in Malachi chapter 3. Even if, even if I had no chance of, of winning, I knew that, uh, uh, here's what I would do. Verse 16 through 18. Then they that, face, that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts. And that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them, as a man spareth his own son, and serveth him. Then shall you return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. Well, you see, the Bible is filled with absolutes, and there's a lot of people out there that think, well, you know, that, that uh, God is filled with gray areas, you know? Uh, that's not the God of the universe. He means exactly what he says, and he says exactly what he means, okay? And a lot of people are in for an extremely rude awakening, and I don't want to be one of them. I want to hold to the Word of God. Amen. Amen. So, and that's it. Win or lose, we've got an we have an obligation. We, 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 have, we have a mandate from God of how we're to live. We're to live in obedience. But you want to know something exciting? We got a shot. We got a really good shot to win against an establishment, entrenched establishment incumbent. And when that happens, if if people join in, I mean, God doesn't just sweep in and save a nation. He uses people. I've heard you may have said, heard me say it before. Joshua didn't just sit in the tent and pray for victory. He had to get out of the tent and he had to fight the battle. That's what we have to do. Taking our government back isn't going to be an, a cakewalk. It's going to take some work. It's going to take some effort. A little bit of sacrifice. And by the way, if people haven't already gotten a tax deduction for this year, or, or excuse me, a tax credit, you can give and you get it back on your next tax, your next tax return. So that if you went to JanetFolgerPorter.com and gave a $50 as an individual, $100 as 
uh, a married couple, if you file jointly, you will get that money back in, in a tax credit, not an exemption. You actually get the full thing back when you file your taxes next April. So if you haven't taken advantage, advantage of that this year, um, then, then here's what I encourage you to do. Lend the campaign money. Get it back from the government. Um, so, so that's one thing that you can do, and it can help a long way. We can get commercials on. We can get mailings out. We can get the word out. Because if we can communicate the message, if we can communicate, hey, guess what? The guy who's claiming to be the one who, who's fighting Obamacare is the very guy who's funded it, Larry Arbaugh. The guy that, that's saying how pro-life he is is the very guy that's blocking the most pro-life bill, Larry Arbaugh. But we've got an opportunity to replace him. He's talking tough on Common Core, but he's never introduced or co-sponsored a bill to repeal it. I'm tired of talk. Pastor, I don't know about you. I am abs- I've absolutely had it with talk. And it's time for action. My ministry, most people know, is faith to action. We're turning people of faith into people of action to win the cultural war. We need to win. Not, not in a trumped-up kind of way where Donald Trump says, well, we never win and we never win again. That's, that, that's true. However, there's a way to do it. And the way to do it is when Christians get involved in, in this process, we can actually um, follow God's plan. And when you choose life, there are blessings. And, and when you obey him, then, then, then you're going to see freedom restored to this country. We're going to see life restored. We're going to see children educated in a way that honors God and blesses them. And, and, and this, that's really what it's all about, obedience to God. But when we obey God, you know it, when the righteous rule, the people rejoice. When the wicked rule, what happens? They groan, they mourn, they, they lament because that's what we've been doing for the last seven years and beyond. It's time. It's time to get it back. And, 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 and so I say, I, I'd add to my two list of, 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 of vote biblically and vote in the primary. I'd encourage people two more, fast and pray. Because our nation is right now hanging in the balance. By the way, if you're not sure how to vote, I really don't trust the Ohio Right to Life Voter Guide. Because they're giving a lot of pro-abortion people cover. What I do is I'll go to iVoterGuide. iVoterGuide.com. And you can see the host of a whole bunch of races and a whole bunch of issues. And you can get to it also at F2A.org. I've got it front and center on my website because that's the way, no matter where you live, whatever state you're listening to us in, you can click on that. Find not just where the presidential candidates stand, but where your local state reps and your state, those running for state senate, where they stand. And you can, you can, you can uh, know that, frankly, don't tell the liberals because this, this voter guide would work for them, too. It, it says who's conservative, who's liberal. And, and, and I've, I've promoted iVoterGuide before I was ever a candidate, but interestingly, iVoterGuide ranks me, Janet Folger Porter, as very conservative, and my opponent, Larry Alboff, who's blocked the heartbeat bill and funded Obamacare, uh, surprise, surprise, they ranked him somewhat liberal. A lot of people are surprised because they've been getting mailing and they've been hearing commercials about how conservative he is and how, how pro-life he is. But I'm telling you, I know from being on the inside trying to get a bill through. I begged Larry Oboff, sign this thing. Will you pass the bill? Will you do something to help us? And the answer was always no. Well, it's, if they don't do what we hired them to do, I believe we need to replace them. you agree? Well, absolutely. You know, we've had a saying in this ministry. You know, we've been on the air 44 years, Jan, and we've had a saying in wow. that time, and that is this, that... 
from the very beginning, our position was no compromise period. Never start. You know, you see, you never have to walk anything back if you don't start it to begin with. And number two, you know, we had another saying, and that's when in doubt, charge. When not in doubt, charge anyway. And that's what we've done. We've run to this battle. We've we've never backed away from a fight. Amen. And um, and you know that's what we're we're to do because now, we I haven't serve. known you 44 years, but I've known you for for a couple of decades, and I've known that to be true. And I'm I'm just I'm grateful for your stand. I'm grateful that you're willing to to charge. And and honestly, there were races that we uh, we we had uh, really not much of a chance. We ran last uh, last election cycle. We ran a lot of candidates in the Senate. And we didn't win, but we cost them. We cost them a lot of money, and there needs to be a price. But here's here's a situation. I'm not saying because it's me. If there was any candidate, and I, honestly, I spent a lot of time recruiting, trying to get people to run. If there was anyone with a chance to win, I'd be saying the same thing. This is an opportunity to send a political earthquake through this state. To say, you know what? You've been killing babies for for, for far too long. And it's time, it's time to quit hiding behind the right to regulate. It's time we actually do what we say we're here to do. End abortion. When's the last time you heard anybody say, we want to end abortion within, within the state house? It's not very common, certainly not in the Senate. No, there's, there's a few of you uh, down there that will do that. And, not uh, in the Senate. No, not in the Senate, and you're absolutely right. And that's why we, we definitely need some people in the Senate to do it. You know, they get there. I would just love to be um, in, in the invisible and be in the room with all the good old boys there if you were to beat Obhoff. Can you imagine just, the panic? Yeah, it would be, I could just hear them now. Hey, what are we going to do? These people are waking up. It ain't going to work the same way. They, those those people are waking up out there. They're 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 on to us. What do we do? I, that's exactly what what we would be hearing, huh? You know, I'll tell you what I just told a, a friend of mine. Um, I'm on the phone with him today, and I said I said, look, this isn't just about this seat because when, if we get in, if God blesses us with this victory, if people who are listening actually put their faith to action, if they go to JanetFolgerPorter.com and they say I want to help. They can send a thing to volunteer to be a part of this the effort to to put out yard signs to help us go door to door. Let us know and and and, and or make a contribution. It is desperately needed right now. You but know we're we're running are, we're running up uh, to the clock. I wanted to say this. Tell the folks where you're going to be this coming uh, Sunday and the following Sunday. Um, this Sunday I'm going to be at Clear Fork Alliance Church in Belleville. Uh, Clear Fork Alliance Church. Uh, and uh, in fact, I've got to call them and, and make sure I know the time. But that when that service is, I'll be there uh, the following Sunday. I'm going to be at People's Baptist Church. Uh, that's held at the uh, over at the Quality Inn, right off of 303 by the uh, by by where if you know the area, it's right by the Bob Evans on 303 and I-71. So I'll be I'll be uh, actually speaking tomorrow at the Richland Pregnancy Center uh, shower. At 10.30 to 12.30, I'll be uh, there. Uh, the address, 396 Willowwood uh, Willow Drive East in Mansfield. If you're interested in going to Mansfield, 10.30, the Richland Pregnancy Center. is having a shower to uh, bring in uh, a whole bunch of goods for the mothers who will be uh, choosing life as a result. 
And, uh, yeah, there's a lot going on, and, and mm-hmm. I, I appreciate the opportunity to tell people a thank you for having me on. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm grateful for all you're doing. I'm grateful for all those who are listening who, who, who already have put their faith to action, have come to JanetFolgerPorter.com and given us a donation. We're using every penny. as, as We're literally praying, God, where can this do the most good? Show them. Your arm is not too short to save. And I believe there's going to be a lot of people surprised come March 15th if we do what, what we know we can do, and that is, is, is put our faith to action in every way, in, in financially, in, in going door to door, putting out the yard signs, having home parties, and communicating to your friends. We've got a whole bunch of materials. Uh, you can get, get a lot more information at JanetFolgerPorter.com. And uh, don't forget the other pro-life candidates. If you're not sure who they are, people like Matt Lynch, people like, like John Adams, you can go to iVoterGuide.com. No matter where you live, it, it, it does a, a listing of, of where people stand in a glance. You can tell it at iVoterGuide.com. You can also find that same voter guide at Faith to Action's website, which is F as in faith, the number two, A as in action, dot org, F2A.org. Two of those people would be Nina Batali and Ron Hood. Yeah, those guys are heroes of, of, of this movement, and uh, they're amazing. I can't wait to get down there and join them and strategize together how we can take our government back. Yeah, I can't wait for you to be down there, too. And, uh, you know, and I will be coming down to see you. And, uh, and you know what? My office in the Senate, and, and it's going to be the first time in memory that we're going to have a conservative Christian uh, place, a launching pad, where we can all meet. If you ever came down there, you need to lobby, you need a place. My office is your office, Pastor. If I win this and we put our faith to action and we take our government back, that's going to be headquarters for for the the real pro life movement, not the regulate movement. We're going to go there and we're going to we're going to get all those who care about repealing Common Core, those who are fed up with Obamacare, those that want to advance the rights of the Second Amendment, the gun rights, as 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 uh, as, as Larry Pratt has, has has endorsed me saying, you know, this is the real deal. Um, General General Jerry Boykin, by the way, he's the commanding officer at Black Hawk Down. He was Delta yep. Force commander, um, three star general. He he just backed me, endorsed me. When a guy that 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 is the commanding officer of the Special Forces Delta Force calls you courageous. Oh, that's saying something. Right, you are courageous. With the courage of the Lord. Amen. You know, when, when uh, Tim Grindell was state senator, his office, I, I, I was down there often. He would ask me to set in uh, with him and other senators uh, when they were discussing things. And uh, he would often say, what does the Bible say? Jan, we're up we'll against it. God bless you. Wanna, God if you bless wanna, you. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Pastor. Have a good God night. Bless you too. All right, we'll be back right after this. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices.
righty, we are back. And, uh, folks, that's, that is the Stockdale Family Band. And I want to invite you all out now for the folks out there uh, in, uh, who, in the Cortland area who attend doers of the Word Baptist Church um, and those that don't attend but um, would like to come out and uh, meet me a little earlier before the program, I'm going to be out there setting things up tomorrow, Lord's willing. You always say that, and here's why. God's Word, the Bible, tells you to. Uh, we'll be out there. I'll be out there right about um, 11.30, about 11.30 tomorrow morning at Doers of the Word Baptist Church at 162 South High Street in Cortland, setting things up. And um, I know I'll have some of my faithful out there. There are some folks in that congregation who, who, well, like the ones that were there that came out on Wednesday and worked so hard, I want to praise the good Lord uh, working on uh, getting the church set up. I want to praise the good Lord for the folks that are doers of the word that came out, rolled up their sleeves, and went to work. And so, uh, Lord's willing, we will be out there tomorrow. And I hope to meet a whole lot of you folks out there to come out and meet and greet us. And now, Sunday, you might want to come back Sunday night, and I'll tell you why. Let me ask you a question. What year was it where... The Bible prophecy was mocked and attacked more than any other. Well, you'll find that out when I preach, or as willing as I'm going to be preaching. And what about this? What year was it? What was the year that the so-called evangelicals, that the, that so many of what are called evangelicals, and boy, folks, people don't know what an evangelical is. Uh, it's an amazing thing. But the years that, that they came out and went together... And they started uh, referring to, uh, well, as you know, Chrislam. And they started talking about Christianity, about God, Jehovah, and Allah as being one of the same. And accepting, accepting sodomy. That's saying that the acceptance of sodomy was God's way of showing love. What year was that when that all began to happen? And then what was the year, folks, that... There was a major, major push. It really started. Uh, now, it's been going on for a long time, but uh, the push was increased in intensity and frequency where they're pushing hard to do away with cash. Something's going on right now that probably most of the people that you know right now, if you go out and talk to them, they'll look at you with a strange look and say, what are you talking about? They don't know that... Many people are being turned away from the banks when they go in and they want to withdraw uh, their own cash. And they're told, well, you have to wait 72 hours or you'll have to do this. And then something's going on. But most people are absolutely clueless. But I'm going to be preaching about all of that, the stories uh, of the past year, some of the uh, greatest uh, prophecy stories, things that are very clear, very clear signs of where we're at. Of course, if you ask most people, where are we? They'll look at you with a confused look and say, I don't know. But, uh, well, I hope you're not one of them. Anyhow, there you go. Phone lines are open at 888-677-9673. Nationwide, the phone lines are open at 888-677-9673. Nationwide. If you have a question or a comment, give us a call. And uh, I have Charles standing by waiting to take your call. He's going to put his good eyes right on that phone line there. Now, a couple of things here I wanted to hit real fast just before we get into uh, some of the articles I have tonight. And it's and 
what that is when we talk about the accuracy of scripture the accuracy of scripture I, I, you know okay the bible is the most scientific if you want to see if you want to use that term document in existence and i'll get to that here but let me go with carl carl you're in the air hello pastor ernie how you doing my friend not too bad although today i was feeling some sadness we are just about to come into the month of March, and we have a big election. They call it Super Tuesday coming up, and it's not until March the 15th that I have the opportunity as an American citizen to cast my ballot. And I'm with, with Jan Porter. I would like to see Ted Cruz be selected from among the candidates to serve as president. But it is sad because my vote will come at a point in time in the primary election system where already we started with, with 17 possible candidates and we're down to, to really three now. So the decision has been made before I have even had a chance to go to the polls to cast my vote. Well, you know, Carl... See, here's one of the things that's here's some of what's wrong with early voting. And because uh, you have a lot of people that went out and they did their early voting. And uh, the the uh, bad part about that is a number of those candidates that people voted for aren't even on the ballots anymore. Correct. They're, they're, so they voted for people that that are not even in the race. They're off the ballots right now. So they went out and they they, they wasted their vote. Mm-hmm. And um, but, but here's something else. Look, you know what? You know the last president, the last one that I voted for that got elected was Ronald Reagan. <laughs> uh, you know, and people say what? I remember when uh, I was telling people I was going to vote for Alan Keyes. Me and too. People, and, and and you see the uh, the bandwagon people called the bandwagon. You, you know, look, vote for a winner. You know, uh, uh, and I say, you know, you, you you're gonna you're gonna vote for him because he's got the better chance of winning. That's the, yeah, of course, I want to vote for a winner. And I say, look at me, I want to I want to say this truly, and I, and I want you to know that I mean this from my heart. You're stupid. You're you're stupid. You see, because you're compromising yourself. You've got no idea what you're doing. You're voting for someone because the people out there say he's got the better chance of winning, okay? And uh, if you're doing that, you're stupid. And, you know, that's, that's, that sounds like Joe Sixpack. Um, you know, I mean, not well, very I, smart. I have always felt that the primary election, most of all, although I, it should be both a general and the primary, but the primary election is the time for you to vote your conscience and to really vote based using your brain, not your heart. And as, as I have researched the candidates, uh, there's only one true conservative running who has a track record and I'm a, I'm a great believer in Mark Levin's website, Conservative Review. And for those who are familiar with this website or those who aren't, you should go there because what Conservative Review has done is they've looked at thousands of different votes on all possible topics from, from, um, from
from the unborn to economic issues to national security, and they have determined that uh, the votes of each senator or congressman cast a clear picture not based on one vote, but based on hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of different votes. And, and of all the candidates, or all, I'm sorry, all the senators, only three received uh, a score of, of A. And uh, Okay, hold on for a minute. Let me, let, me, let me just say, okay, I, I have a listing and see what those three are. One is going to be Santorum. Santorum was, was listed by the AFA and the others as, uh, extri- uh, as very conservative. Uh, the other one that was listed as very conservative was Ted Cruz, as you say. And Huckleby just made it. But what, what was the three you had? Um, I, I don't have the, the website in front of me, but what you're talking about uh, would not be the same same website. No, mine was the American Family Association. They put yeah. the, they put out let me, their own. Let me ask my wife. The top three people for Senate that got A rating were. Oh, okay, no, how could be wasn't for Senate? I'm sorry. Cruz got A. Who else was it? Um, Dement. Oh yeah, no, he's, just, not, he's not in there anymore. Yeah. Sessions maybe. The other guy from Indiana, Mike Pence. Defense. We're trying. We're trying to figure out what, the, what was on the list, but there were only three, I believe, and then there were just a, a couple more. A couple that got B ratings, okay. and, and they went down, down, down from there. But uh, that that just that's just one one of many, you know, sources of, of information that says that a lot of the people that are you know well, Rubio the, yeah, I yeah, got an F. The poll that I was looking at was just the. They rated the uh, conservative candidates, not not the, oh, not those okay. that are currently in Senate. So, yeah. Uh, but now you see it was different here because Rubio on on my poll here, uh, he got conservative. I say Cruz and Rubio. Uh, I meant to say got an F. Cruz okay. Cruz got the A. Yeah. Well, well, as far as yeah, well, he got rated here the highest. He got the highest rating. Cruz did by the votes that he took, but. You know, we're not supposed to be saying that because Fox News doesn't want people. Fox News knows you're listening, and you better listen to what they tell you uh, because they are manipulating your mind out there. And so, um, yeah, well, you see, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that, well, you know, sometimes you just say they, they just don't quite get it, do you? No. But, but there are tens of millions of Americans who are disenfranchised. I don't know who developed this uh, system, uh, the calendar, uh, of, of, of spreading the votes out and putting so little significance, or so much, so much significance to the early vote, and to the extent that it uh, destroys possibilities for the for us down the road to vote for people that we believe in. Really well, I, I know that, but here's the thing: for you to do the right thing, that's that's all you have to worry about doing is the right thing, Carl. And uh, you see, look, look. Ultimately, uh, you're going to be the only judge you're going to have is Lord. You're going to be at a bema seat judgment. And in fact, I talked about that some what last night in Scripture. And at that bema seat judgment in Hosea or in Revelations four. Uh, you will answer for what you've done. Okay, that's what you'll answer for, what you have done. Okay? 
And so you got to just do the right thing. And um, that's, you know, that's with me. You know, we just put it this way, no compromise, period. That's why I was glad to hear Cruz when that woman asked him, will you be willing to compromise with the Senate? And, you know, and Trump says, you don't have one friend. You don't have one friend there in the Senate. <laughs> and Cruz's answer was, you know, do you think that that is a good endorsement to be liked by Washington? And the reason he is, look, let me tell you, how many friends did Jesus have in the Sanhedrin? Right. Not too many. (laughs) um, He had one, Nicodemus. So there you go. And, you know, think about that, too, for those senators that are in there. But not many of them. I intend to show up on the 15th, and I will will write his name in if I have to, but... uh... He's been pretty destroyed by this time. Well, here's here's I have a real problem with winner take all states, you know, mm-hmm. and and that, and that is a bad situation. That's in, Ohio, right? In Ohio, I know people should be able to, you know, you should have the delegates, and and I don't even like the way that the delegates are set up. That that is not another good way. Uh, in fact, I would just do away. Uh, I would do away with that system altogether and just have. Let the people, but listen to this, vote in an honest election and not a fraudulent election where everyone's vote actually counts and not where people are voting four or five times, you know. Um, And and the Democrats, you know, that they are the experts where it comes to voter fraud. uh, They are are to voter fraud what Elvis was to rock and roll and Muhammad Ali was to boxing. Um, If I were were a liberal Democrat, a commiecrat, and, and and I had two candidates to choose from, and, and in a primary or a caucus, the the result of the election was determined by the flip of a coin. I would think, well, gee, why did I bother to even show up? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Let alone six flips of the coin. From uh, it all came up heads for Hillary, as we recently saw. And, and Hillary, yeah, I know the way that that works. Hillary, um, you know, she, again, the Clinton crime syndicate, uh, they, you know, they would make Bonnie, her and Slick would make Bonnie and Clyde, you know, look like, uh, you know, Sunday go to school, Sunday teachers, you know, they're, yeah. the, the, the crime syndicate there, you know, with the, with the Clintons is, it's unbelievable. Now, they were talking about, the, the pundits, the talking heads on, on Fox News were was saying, why is why is Hillary keep kissing up to Obama? Now, you know, I mean, if you cannot figure that out, she cannot figure out why Obama, why Hillary, when they can when they can't stand each other, why does she keep kissing up? Because Hillary's got a whole lot hanging over her head. Uh, a, laundry, I mean, uh, a laundry list of, of crimes each one has against the other, I suppose. A, a whole, yeah, well, she knows when it comes to Benghazi, uh, she can bring Obama down with her. When it comes to Benghazi, she knows she can bring Obama. Obama knows that, okay? He's worried about his legacy. But anyhow, but when it comes to uh, all of her emails, look, now, look, you might say, now, here, I'll ask you the question see if you have an answer. Now, why would someone like Hillary want to make available uh, top secret these emails? Why would she want to not not 
you know, go through the right procedures and, and having them on uh, a secured, her secured site, why would she do what she did and make them available to anyone who wanted to hack in? Why do you think she would do that? Well, she certainly has no love of the country. For one thing, uh, she may be using them to generate money somehow way or other for the foundation, selling favors. I, it's hard to say. Do you, have, do you have, a, have an answer to your own question? Yeah, that answer would be if uh, one of those, some foreign entity wanted to, wanted to know some information on anything that had to do with, say, some of our new weapon systems or uh, this, uh, and Hillary could say, well, you know, I can't give you that. Um, and, you know, if if a couple hundred thousand or if a couple million dollars was to show up in the Clinton Foundation, uh, I would definitely not tell you to go to this website and look here, okay? Yeah. Uh, you see, this is the way they look. Look at what Slick Willie did. He sold what he sold. He, he advanced the Chinese. Right. He advanced them 25 years. He did that in a couple of days with what he gave them, what he sold them. Missile technology. Yep. And you see, that's what's going on out there. And here's the thing. Hillary knows that, look, Slick, or, you know, Obama, you have to instruct uh, Janet Lynch, do not, do not pursue this. Don't press charges. I, you know, I, I need to be above the law. i got to be above the law. And, uh, and there'll be something in it. There'll be something in it, you know, for you. Mm -hmm. It's the way those people work. Corrupt. Well, well, in my dream world, we would all vote on the same day. But I don't expect that will happen in my lifetime. Yeah. I would have it. I would have it that way. You would vote in the same day. No voter absentee ballots. Um, nothing by mail. I wouldn't have that. I would have it the way it, it used to be when it worked. When it worked. It worked that way. Okay. I figure I can get to the polls. I can show who I am. Why shouldn't everybody else be able to do that? Everybody who should have an ID and have proof. You're absolutely yep. right. Identification. Absolutely. And uh, that's the way it should be. But, uh, well, you know, we're living, and this is one of the things I'm going to be preaching on, the taking a close look at what is happening all around us today. And I'll be doing that at the Doers of the Word Baptist Church at, at 14781 Sperry Road in Newberry, uh, Sunday morning. As we start at 9 o'clock with praise and worship, 9.30 with an in-depth Bible study. And then the service starts at 11.30. I'll be doing that then, and then I'll be preaching that same message at Cortland Church at six at uh, 5 p.m. at 162 South High Street there in Cortland. And uh, and then the, the service starts at 6 p.m. this coming Sunday. Well, I'm going to get off the line, but please don't forget to give out... The address where people can send you a check. All righty. Yeah, thanks for doing that. I, that's my, a, that's love, a request for me to, to you tonight. <laughs> yeah, my <laughs> friends are taking address. care of me. You guys are telling me I need to do that. I know it. And I'll do that right now. God bless you. God Goodbye. bless you, my friend. Bye. We'll see you, Carl. Okay. Folks, you can help keep this radio program on the air so we don't, because we don't believe in compromise by sending donation to WRWL. That's WRWL, 
14781 Sperry Road. That's 14781 Sperry. S-P-E-R-R-Y Road, Newberry. That's N-E-W-B-U-R-Y, Ohio, 44065. Let me take Andre. Andre, you're in the air. How you doing, Pastor? I'm doing okay. How are you? This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. One of the things I was going to say tonight is I was just kind of hoping that uh, some of your listeners would give you a little more, especially now since gas is down a little bit. Maybe what they was going to put in gas money, they could put a little bit on uh, on your station. Just a thought. Yeah, that would be a good thought. And... Uh, uh, you know, I'm planning on, of course, you know, I'm planning on being over there at the prison on uh, Tuesday night. Well, that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, Owen and I have been trying to get a hold of this guy so, for the gate pass, and he's like, uh, like he's AWOL. Yeah, I know. I called, too. I couldn't get a hold of him, but when I called his office, his assistant answered the phone. And I said, look, I, I need to set up a gate pass for Pastor Eshelman and myself. And he said, well, I'm the guy that writes the passes. And he took the information. He said, I'll have the passes for you. Hmm, so, I wonder who that was. I don't know. But he said he was the fellow that wrote the passes. Well, praise God then. Yep. Because Ernie and I were, I mean Ernie and I, Pat, uh, <laughs> Owen. Uh, Owen and I were, uh, kind of concerned you know we didn't i don't i told owen i said i don't want him driving all the way down here i said number one he's going to get mad and i said number two he's not feeling good and i don't want him driving all the way down here just to be told he can't uh he can't be here well hopefully i'll be oh, i'll be back to normal i've i've been battling that for uh two weeks it was two normal. weeks ago yesterday i that walking pneumonia and but little each day i'm getting a little better and uh Boy, I hate that stuff, but I'm, I'm doing better, and so I should be up to snuff come come a Tuesday night. Well, I'm not really talking about that. Uh, that's that's bad enough, but you know what I'm talking about. I'm worried about that uh, issue by your heart. Well, you can take care of that too. No, yeah, I'll, I'll I'm working on that thing too. So, anyhow, see. There's times when you, you don't want to say too much over the air because when you have a lot of right, people... Right, right, I understand. That, yeah, I'm you sorry see, about that. Yeah, the thing yeah. of it is, is this is what I have to tell... Well, they don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, this is what I have to tell a lot of the pastors that I bring in. There's a couple fellows who... Uh, who will they'll go out and they'll put out all kinds of personal information over the air anyone who talks to them and they don't realize that whatever the opposition can use against you they will use against you so i know they do it here yeah so um that's it when you have um any kind of a, a physical ailment or anything like that you know give it to the lord and uh you can have people pray for you. They they do that, but you got to be careful on and uh, who you can trust. I know that. You know, I know that. <laughs> yeah. Man, so that's what's going on there. But the uh, Lord's willing, we'll be down there. By the way, did you know that uh, I I did talk to them today, and Dennis Dennis is getting released, and. Uh, on Tuesday, 
Uh, he's going to well, get rid on the day you're coming down. Yeah, well, here, here's this, this the strangest thing about it, but he didn't realize that when, last Wednesday his mother died. And I thought that he knew that his mother had died. I thought that somebody had contacted the prison and told him, but they didn't. Nobody did. And uh, so when I was talking to him and I told him, I said, well, you're uh, it's set up here. Uh, you're getting released at, at uh, Tuesday morning. And he says, good. He said, I could still got a chance to see mom before she dies. And I had to tell him that uh, she died Wednesday. Of course, you know, that, see, a lot of people out there listening to us right now don't realize that one of the worst things about being in prison is, uh, as, as you know, as, that you have family members that die and pass away, and you're not able to go see to go to their funerals. And um, you've you've suffered that with your father, your mother, your wife. Yeah. And the chaplain, the one chaplain that was here when my mom died, never told me. Yeah. Yep. And that's why, you know, that's why we're here. This call know. is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. And so, but that's why, you know, what we, we try to do, as you know, we try to do all that we can to help you guys in every way. I, I, I mean, uh, even without that... I just love you, good brother. Uh, you've always been with me when I was even at the worst. And I can't never forget that. Well, uh, you, know, it's, you know, sometimes that still haunts me. The terrible things I've done. Especially to you. Well, here's the good thing. The good news is this, that... Uh, where sin abounds, grace abounds in more abundance. Amen. I agree. And we've had, um, you know, we just want to praise the good Lord that, uh, you know, sometimes when we feel, you know, when you get hurt about people, you feel that somebody betrayed you or did this and that. Then we think about, look at the Lord. You know, he never did anything wrong. He lived a totally sin-free life. Mm -hmm. And look how the world treated him, huh? Man. Well, you know, there's been... I don't know how your... If your listeners have ever went through this or not, but uh, there have been times when uh, guys have uh, stole things, you know, and uh, like when I went to the hospital and all that, they stole a lot of things and did this and that. And I was mad and self-righteous. And you know what the Lord told me? <laughs> He says, remember when you used to do the same thing? Yep. Uh, I couldn't deny that. Well, that's called reaping what you sowed. Yep. yep. Come around, go around. Right. There's, there's only one individual that will never betray you or never believe you or abandon that's you. That's the Lord. Yep. Because you know what? Mm -hmm. We even let ourselves down. We'll even, I mean, we yes, can't we even see that for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Terrible. That's the We're way our own worst, I tell guys in here, I say, you know, we are our own worst enemies. Uh, well, sometimes you, you're right. And that could be. Ohio Correctional Facility and may be recorded and monitored. That could be the case. the parole case. board or somebody else doing 
us bad, we do ourselves bad. But, yeah. You know, we, yeah. But, um, and I'll tell you, I would have no other life but my life I have with the Lord now. And you know me, if I, I didn't mean it, I wouldn't say it. Well, see, here's some things that a lot of people don't understand. Now, you've been in prison for 30 years. and uh, 33. 33. And you told me this, that uh, it was worth it because had you not gone to jail, you never would have got saved. You never would have come to the Lord. Probably no. No. I, I remember witnessing to you back in those days. And, uh, boy, you are a hard-headed fellow. Yeah. They still tell me I am. <laughs> yeah. And, but I remember one day I came in and I heard a strange, mournful sound. And there you were sitting at my desk in the dark and you were crying. And I thought, well, what's he up to? Because you had a tendency uh, to like to play a lot of uh, jokes on people. And I figured, yeah. I figured, what's, what's he up to? And I thought, well, you was up to one of your, um, your mischievous tricks there. So I went over to see what, what you were up to. And here you had the book turned to Romans chapter 7. And the Apostle Paul that said the things that he, he wanted to do, he couldn't do. And those things that he, he uh, hated, he did. And the things that he didn't. And he's talking about the old man and the new man. And you were saying, that's me. That's me right here. All of the things that I hate, I do. And the things that I, I want to do, I can't do. And uh, well, guess what? It's not just you. <laughs> that's a whole lot of people, Andre. Oh, yeah, and that's what I was just going to say. A lot of you listeners out there, you think you have it all in control. You're in control. You do things with your temper. You do things with your hands, uh, uh, abuses, and hurting your wives or hurting your husbands. But it all is because you want to be in control or some other thing that you feel your life isn't uh, uh, giving you what you feel it's worth. and. You lose control over everything. You lose everything that way. And uh, the only and at that time, you either go up or you go down. And there's no uh, in the middle. You're right about that. Uh, you know, God's Word, the Bible, you're either saved or you're lost. And, uh, well, I'm going to tell you, and this is why, you know, when we talk about running out of tomorrow's tonight, uh, it couldn't be anything any worse, could it? It don't get any worse than running out of tomorrows. No. Nope. So. That's another thing. A lot of people think there's always another tomorrow, and that's not true. Nope. One day it's, you're going to say, what in the world happened? And it's going to be too late. Well, you see, that's the, that is one of the magnificent things about God's Word, the Bible, and it's so precise. And it tells you in very simple words, it's appointed to all men once to die and then the judgment. That's exactly what it means. You see, that's an absolute. And the world does not like absolute. The world does not like black and white. They want gray, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's not what they're going to get. They're in for rude awakenings. You know, I'm grieving right now. I feel this in my spirit, too. You know, I know there's people out there that are listening to this, 
and they're still angry, angry at whoever, angry at God, angry at everybody, and they and they and they just won't listen because they're angry. And they, they some people would rather stay miserable, and that's not the life to live. It's it, it's not going to hurt help you. No, that, yeah, well, that bitterness. See, this is something, and you know, I've we've, I have to counsel with people, and I know a lot of people, like you said, they're their own worst enemies because they harbor bitterness. You have one minute remaining. And that bitterness, when you harbor that bitterness, it can always do you harm. It'll never do you any good. Nope, and it makes you sick. Yep, it certainly does. Not only not only spiritually, but physically. You're absolutely and, and right. Anyway, I'd love you a lot, Pastor, your mother. This call is originating from an Ohio correctional facility and may be recorded and monitored. Well, all of that right back at you. Tell all the fellows there that I said hi, and I'll be looking to see you. And, and uh, meanwhile, make sure you get up with those if you can and tell them uh, I'm coming down. I'm going to tell him. All right. I'm sure going to tell him. Because like I told him, I said, I don't want him coming down here. No, he's going to be there. I'm going to be really upset. Yeah. And, uh, boy, you don't like to see a great big old fat preacher throw a tissy fit. <laughs> no. Or a battle inmate either. Yeah. Uh, you're right about that. All right. God bless. God bless, my friend. Thanks for calling. And uh, Thank you for using Global Telling. Yeah, folks. Sometimes we've, when I've had, we we have to drive, and, and not just me, but other pastors will have something set up, and somebody will. And the prison system is like, well, yeah, you know, no big deal. So you guys drove four or five hours, you know. Not in this case. This prison's only a couple hours away, but so what? It's like you know, and I've seen them mistreat uh, people that have traveled so a long distance and one day I was down in a prison it's over with so I'm not going to name the prison now and that but let me just tell you what happened <coughs> I went into excuse me should have hit the cough button there I went into a business some inmates and uh, normally when you walk in you take a number you take a number and you sit down they call you they call your number there okay now other times I don't do that depends on you know like on death row it's different we uh, we have passes that we use because uh, we go in as a team but so anyhow I went in there and uh, and I'm seeing this uh, corrections officer who's a white shirt and that means uh, he's one of the higher officers and these others and there's and they're they're playing with these people in other words so when you when your number comes up uh, someone walks up and so i'm next or they call and they say well not, you know i've changed my mind you go sit down and you over there you can come up and you know in other words uh and then people say well you know i was next i've been waiting here i don't like your attitude out you're out of here and and i watched them do that and some one one elderly woman in particular came all the way from Florida to Ohio to visit her son. And she said, but I came all the way from Florida. And he said, well, go on back. And they were laughing. They thought that was funny to treat that woman. Well, I went up there and I had my Bible. And this, and this guy says, that Bible's not going in. And I said, you know what? This Bible and this preacher, we're both going in. And I said, because I don't like your attitude, pal. 
And he says, what are you going to do about it? I says, I'm going to talk to your warden. And he said, well, I won't give you the number. And I said, I don't, you don't have to. I got it right here. I wasn't. I called the warden. I said, hey, guess what, warden? Guess what I, what I just seen out here? He said, what did you see? I said, I saw these, these corrections officers treating these people like they were little black dogs. Uh, these women, elderly women, t- treating, talking to them like they were less than human beings, telling them to go out and that they think it's funny. And I said, you know what that is? That's a national news story, Warden. That's what it's going to be. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, Pastor. Hold it, hold it. Now, wait a minute. Don't do anything yet. Well, we're going to take care of this. Well, Bone, the deputy warden was out there. And she went to this corrections officer's office, asked me to come in, and pushed everything that was on his desk to the floor, made him stand at attention, and then made him apologize for being disrespectful. And she said, I am so sorry. She said, this will never happen again. You can go in and please please take your Bible. I said, no, I don't want to go in and tell every one of those women that were disrespected, who were treated disrespectful and sent out until they're brought back. But she told him, she says, you better go bring those back, those women. If If you want your job, if you want to keep your job, you better get them back in here. And you see, here's what happened. See, somebody stood up to the bully, you folks. Somebody stood up to and that's what they were doing. They were bullying these people. Well, when I went in there, uh, and I was sitting, and I was waiting for my inmates to come out, uh, this this same corrections officer, he comes in, he sits over across from me, and he, and he, he just sits there, and he stares at me. Well, one by one... <laughs> So the inmates come by uh, and their their mothers and the ones that came down to visit came by and said thank you pastor thank you and this guy just sat there and stared at me he wanted to say something but he didn't know what to do and so some of the inmates said pastor when you're gone they're going to retaliate against us and I said no they won't because I made it very clear to the to the warden if there's any retaliation there will be retaliation do you understand? If there is, if they do that, if they punish you guys for what this man, then, well, we got a whole new ball game then. And uh, the warden gave me his word. Well, there wasn't any retaliation uh, because they didn't want that going out uh, making a national news story. And I guess I said all that to say this. It's why radio programs like this one, and not just this one, but others all across the country, why we're, you know, this is what we have. We have this and we have the Internet, um, and, and, and we are there for the people. Uh, because I'm going to tell you, the lamestream media is not there for us. And the phone lines are open, so if you have a question or a comment, give us a call, 888-677-9673, nationwide. And if you've called twice this week already, don't, you know, give somebody else a chance. It's 888-677-9673, 888-677-9673, nationwide. If you have a question or a comment, give us a call. Now, I just want to hit something very fast while I'm waiting for the callers. And I was talking about the accuracy of Scripture, uh, folks, and, and I don't think the vast majority of people understand. They are really uh, don't believe that they they have... Uh, an inkling to just um, how much uh, of everything we need to know, information 
uh, is contained in God's Word, the Bible. And I was going to give you a list on that, but let me go to David first. David, you're in the air. Hello, David. Are you there? Are you there? Hello? Okay, where'd he go, Charles? Hello. Okay, you're there. Is that David? Can you hear me now? Yes. Yeah, I can hear you. Go ahead. Oh, okay. I'm not sure if I had my phone muted or what. Um, Pastor, I heard you over the past week or two uh, making an announcement, and I've been kind of trying to piece it together. It's about an event at the Solon Warehouse. It has to do with uh, a meeting of all these uh, statesmen and uh, well, that took place last Saturday. Oh, that's that took, was last Saturday. Yeah, that was an absolute, absolute uh, unbelievable. Well, praise the Lord. Uh, maybe you could give me a couple highlights. Of, uh, yeah, well, we had a number of, of, of major speakers down there uh, that came in. Um, uh, Tom Z, who's the president of the Portage County uh Tea Party, like 2,700 members out there. This guy is very, very, very political astute. He keeps his pulse on everything that's going around in politics and the presidential campaigns. I mean, uh, he really knows what's going on in, in the political world there. He got up and he uh, he told us about how it was like the last election, why it was all of the pundits got things so wrong. Like, for example, you know, you, you had um, all of these uh, Republican pundits out there. You had uh, uh, what's his name, Roe, uh, uh, the fellow with his little chalk, a uh, little whiteboard, uh, Carl Rove, and all of Carl Rove, and all of these people making these predictions. It looked like Romney was going to, you know, win big time at the beginning. That, uh, uh, but what they didn't understand was all of these early votes. You had all of these people that. When they when they went to the polls, they were looking there. They were at all, and they were saying that way, way, way more Republicans were turning out than Democrats. And but they didn't understand that the, the, the Democrats, the Communists, had a program where they were going with with early voting. Not only that, but a lot of uh, you know, I mean, just a whole a lot of the mail-in votes and just so much corruption. Okay. And so what well, well, we knew what was going to happen, but Carl Rove and all of these guys, they got it all wrong. And Glenn Beck and all of them were scratching their heads. They had these strange looks on their face like, what happened? But anyhow, he he went into that and a lot of other things around the country as far as the different states uh, and so on and so forth. And then you had... Uh, uh, Dan Ramada. Dan Ramada was talking about the uh, here uh, just how entrenched Obama's Wahhabi Muslims are. They're far, 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 far more entrenched in every aspect of our government than most people have any idea. Uh, you know, you know the the CIA director John Brennan is a hardcore Wahhabi Muslim. Obama has appointed uh, 48 czars, and most of them are Muslims. And the ones that aren't are homosexuals, okay? And so, uh, you know, Homeland Security, FEMA, all of them in the high places and uh, leadership, he's got Wahhabi Muslims. Uh, how they're working to get them on the courts, and you know, Obama is working all of this, you know, overtime uh, to do that. And he, he went in and he shows you the facts, the places, and the idea that we have like 93 
uh, jihadist training camps here in American soil. Now, when ISIS is coming in, uh, they're all over. And the FBI basically is told to play everything down, play everything down. In fact, uh, they took away, you know, you're not even allowed to go out and talk about and refer to Islam as jihadist. In, in fact, the Democrats, I have a, a bill that the Democrats are trying to pass that would make it a crime for you to even refer to um, radical Islam, uh, it would make it a hate crime uh, to refer to them as radical Islam and jihadist. And they're trying to push that bill through, but I don't think they're ever going to get it through the House right now at this at this point. But it's a shame. I've, I've seen some of those videos about the 93 uh, training camps, and uh, it's, it's quite an eye-opener, I'll tell you. They buy up the rural property. Uh, in various places around the country, and, and make these like communes. Well, they've even they they intimidate some of the city council people, where they actually are, have roads named after their Muslim leaders. Hmm. And yeah, so uh, and you know again they go into these smaller towns way out. In, in fact, what happens is Obama's been bringing them in, and, and settling them in these towns out west, uh, where. You might only have five or six hundred people, the population, and they'll bring in a thousand or whatever and sell them in the area where all of a sudden they're the majority now. And just like places in uh, right there in Michigan now, you got uh, Dearborn, which is a Muslim, it, it actually is, um, you know, a, a Muslim, little Muslim country there. Yeah, majority. Yeah, where the judges are Muslims, the police chief, all of that. Uh, and so, and then you had uh, uh, Matt Lynch, you know, who is running for in the 14th Congressional District. Matt's a real statesman. Uh, you know, he got up and he talked about his campaign and what's going on and, and a lot of the legislation. Uh, you know, remember, Matt introduced the House the bill that Nino and, and Ron Young and some others are trying to push through. But Matt introduced the He authored the bill that simply said... Um, uh, American, you know, American laws for American courts. In other words, that in the state of Ohio, only uh, the Ohio Constitution and the U.S. Constitution can be adjudicated in, in Ohio. That uh, American law for American, and uh, that was the bill. It simply said that, you know, so that and he got visited by four Muslims, and they told him he'd be a lot better off to withdraw that, but he wouldn't. He told them to, to you know, hit the road. But he got he fought by the Democrats. He was stood against the Democrats in the Ohio House. And this is why, see, I've been telling people this. If it comes out to a shooting war, and that could happen, don't expect your neighbor who's, you know, a Democrat to, to stand with you. They're going to stand with radical Islam. They're not going to stand with you. And remember, there's been an unholy alliance between radical Islam and communism since 1928. That's right. And you see, there's a lot of people there that are, are are just don't have the common sense to understand what I'm telling them. Nope. That was and, the, the Nazi and the, the early Muslim Brotherhood alliance back then. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Hitler formed the Muslim Brotherhood. That was a, a brigade who's of Muslim and Nazi soldiers who's... who's um, entire duty were to eliminate Jews. Oh, yeah. They had a common enemy. 
Yep. And uh, and then you had Coach Dave Dabemeyer, who, boy, I'm going to tell you, he really gave a good uh, presentation, as he always does. And he talked about what happened. You know, when uh, uh, you had the lady there, that Kathy, the woman who who did her job, she upheld the, the, the law. And uh, how that judge overruled her, uh, who prostituted him, Judge Bunny, or whatever his name is, Bundy. Uh, how he sold himself and, and prostituted himself. Well, well Dave and, and uh, about 30 other men, men of God, real men, real men, went over and they went to that judge's house. And uh, to picket him, to protest him, and uh, uh, well, what happened when the word got out? They got joined by about two thousand other people, and uh, that judge couldn't believe he got you know he got all scared, he got all upset, and then he he turned her free. But he had, he had literally put her in jail for having a bad attitude, you Thank see, and for doing her job. See, this is tyranny. And he got a taste of what happens to some of us in America. We don't want tyranny, we were, and we're not going to tolerate tyranny. And so he uh, he was talking about there that, and then um, you had Skip Claypool, who was talking about Nawaka. Skip has been right out in the forefront. He's been on the board. He's uh, is able. Is he's a county commissioner. He's the lead county commissioner for Jog County. And he's been standing by himself. You see, Dave, you've got these these shadowy, nameless, faceless um, bureaucrats that, that hide in the shadows. And they pressure. And they make laws. And, and they pressure your politicians there in Columbus. And they make deals. And they take away more of your freedoms. And the idea is to little by little to just keep regulating you and regulating you into oblivion. Right, right. And I think there's one thing I'd like to mention briefly, Pastor, is um, this uh, silent creep of the section of Agenda 21 that's, uh, that deals with the rights of the child. As you may recall, Hillary Clinton was a huge proponent of that rights of the child, and that simply attempts to uh, relinquish parents of their rights over their own children and transfer... Uh, the authority of children over to the state, and it, it, it's quite—it's quite a scary prospect. Oh yeah, well Hillary says that that uh, parents should never think that their children belong to them. The children belong to the state. She came right out and said it. Yeah, right, right. And it, I think part of those uh, gun law, new uh, gun legislation that Obama signed. Uh, uh, feeds into that because uh, now now they're beginning to um, like for example I, I went my wife took the kids to the doctor and uh, one of the new questions they now ask is do you have a, a, a gun in the home and I'm thinking at the at the pediatrician's office I mean come on I mean this is this is totally new I mean what if we say yes what if we say no you know what you say if they asked you, you have a gun in the home you say you go first do you <laughs> and, and, and yeah, yeah, I do. I do yeah. that. Okay, I, I say absolutely. Yeah, do you? And uh, usually they don't want to answer that. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a sign of a responsible person who's protecting their family, uh, right? For home protection, you know that that's the purpose of it. You know, I, I suppose somebody could say, yeah, I, I I got one that I keep locked up. 
you know, if you got small children, naturally you want to <clears throat> keep keep children away from uh, the ability to get their hands on a weapon. But it's 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 pretty bad uh, with you know when a nation concedes itself to uh, get lockstep with the the will of the a foreign entity like the United Nations or uh, you know. Yeah, it's just, it's not right. It undermines our national sovereignty, and it has great implications. And, they're, you know, we're, they're trying to give us small doses of it and uh, trying to sneak it in here any way they can. It's a great concern. Well, you're absolutely right. And here, you know, I have I have a number of articles. That, and one of the articles here is a, is a very interesting article because it talks about how uh, the American people are going to be given in and they're going to literally sell themselves into terror here this is this was the article i was talking about it says three psychological reasons why americans are politically paralyzed it says there is a set of psychological reasons why our people even those that are seemingly more awake than most would accept the latest tyranny from their government we know about cognitive uh, dissonance with which prevents people from seeing the totality of a threat thus inhabiting their personal ability to make the paradigm shift needed to accurately perceive the threat well we also know about the bystander of apathy which stands in an obstacle to getting involved because in this large country someone else will do it and there is a third a psychological reason which prevents us from getting involved because we have a condition that our actions cannot make any difference, which is reflective of a condition called learned helplessness. Um, and I know I'm out of time for it, but he's, right. he's right. The Bible sums it up this way, Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And um, Amen. that's exactly what the problem is. Thanks for having me on the program, Pastor. God bless. God bless you. Thanks for calling. Sure. Bye-bye. Bye now. Okay. I'll be maybe finishing that later. We're running out of time tonight, folks. And as you know, we were talking about, as Andre has said, and we talked about earlier, uh, the worst thing that could possibly happen to you is that you die in your sin, unsaved. And this is why we always tie. I don't have time not to give an invitation tonight, but I still do have time to tell you to go to the, the Gospel of John, Chapter 3, and Romans, Chapter 10. That's the Gospel of John in Chapter 3 read it. Go to Romans chapter 10. Read it. And then once you've read it, do it. Do what it says. Uh, because listen, uh, this may be the last invitation you get when the preacher gives you an invitation to come to the Lord. Uh, to call upon his name. Some Sometimes that's the last one. You won't hear it again. So do that tonight if you're listening to me. If you're not saved, if you, if you don't know for certain, go to the Gospel of John, chapter 3, and then go to Romans, chapter 10. Pray before you read it, and then read it and do it. And we're out of time for tonight, so until tomorrow, we want to say good night, God bless, and remember, always, always keep fighting the fight. The voice of the Christian resistance. What's right, what's left. Hosted by Pastor Ernie Sanders. To learn more about our ministry, please visit us online at www.wrwl.org. Please.
Tune in next time for another edition of What's Right, What's Left.
seven and a half minutes past 8 p.m. Pacific time. If that's when it is where you're at, we are, in fact, live. 800-932-1980 is the toll-free call-in number. You can also participate by going to the chat room, which is at our website, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. And you can contact me directly utilizing Yahoo Instant Messenger. My screen name is AVRN Talk. Okay, there we have all that. As I mentioned, it is Wednesday evening, and that means we've got Melissa Roxanne on as co host. Welcome, Melissa. Well, we're supposed to have Melissa Roxanne on as co-host. I'm just wondering if we're not experiencing some more. Now I hear her. Well, I did for a second. Anyway, I'll leave the fader up, and if uh, she can ever get her act together down there with her stuff, uh, she will be on. But until that time... I got other things here. Always news, 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 news. Lots of news. You know, (laughs) drudge here. I'll just do this here easy. You know, Trump win rattles China. So I clicked on it. I read the whole uh, article. And there's really nothing in there that's, you know, that I would say constitutes rattled. Okay. I don't know, rattled to me is, uh, I don't know, that's kind of severe when you're rattled, you know? You ever been rattled? I have. I read this article and they're like, well, you know, the U.S. and China being the two biggest, you know, bullies on the block, uh, you know, it's important that we get along and all this stuff. And they just went about saying that. They didn't even specifically mention what Trump was talking about. And he said he'll punish China if they continue to manipulate their uh, currency market. Which, oh boy, we can all say hurrah, yay, you go, Donald. Uh, But you know what? Really? Is anybody going to talk to the Federal Reserve maybe and tell them, oh, and by the way, you're going to be punished also if you continue to screw with every single thing there is known to man? Honestly, how about an audit? Ooh, oh no, that might, uh, you know, that might upset the Federal Reserve. They come up with all kinds of lame little excuses about why, why can't you be audited? Oh, okay, are any of your arguments going to work for me when the IRS wants wants to know? Well, we want to know what's going on with you. We want to know this. We want to know that. No, hey, oh, no, 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 that would upset my whole, uh, my whole operation, you know, my confidence would be uh, diminished, which could be very bad. So, no, no, you don't get to know what I'm doing because, well, we can't have my confidence diminished. Really? You know, so who cares if China's rattled anyway? They're not rattled, though. You see, this is just some sensationalized Headline. You know, I mean, you put out some, you know, China declares war. 
you know, or, or something crazy like that. It gets people to click on it. It gets some traffic. It gets, you know, people interested. You know? All right. Well, anyway, let's move on. Unless, of course, Melissa's there yet. Mm, I guess not. I have the fader up. We're listening. Here's something bad. This is something that actually is uh, of note because you can count that this is not just going to be Virginia. All right? This all started with a reporter's attempt to learn whether problem police officers were moving from department to department. In other words, you know, you oops, accidentally shoot somebody, and then you get your administrative leave, and there's lots of heat, and the chief doesn't want you in his department anymore, but he writes you a shining resume or a shining, uh, what do they call that when you go to one job and somebody says, yeah, he's a good guy. Anyway, the chief vouches for you for another chief, and you go to work for another police department. Who then does the same thing? Folks, I don't know if, how many of you out there have listened to Colonel Bo Greitz, but he has a story, and, you know, and he admits that he did the wrong thing, that he wished he would have done the right thing. But at the time, you stick together, you know, you're all in this together. Well, what ended up happening was Bo Greitz, it came, it, it became known to him that he had a homo in his unit or under his command. Talked to the guy, and the guy promised, oh, I promise I'll never do it again, and just this thing and whatever, and it was just this one time, and it's just that, and blah, 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 blah. So instead of drumming him out of the military like he should have and like the rules of the time said to do so, Bogrights transferred him. Well, he sucked his way up through the ranks to become uh, like a you know major, you know super sergeant, you know uh, sergeant major or something. And he was taking advantage of enlisted men. See, this is what happens. You figure, well, look, I don't want you around me. I'm just going to pan you off on somebody else. Let, let, let it be somebody else's problem. And that's what ends up happening. Someone else doesn't view it as a problem, and they promote it, and, they ended up, and then they end up with homosexual predators in positions of authority and trust. That's what's going on in the police departments, not so much with homosexuality, but cops that are acting improperly. They're not getting fired and being forbidden to be police officers anymore. They're being let go or being allowed to leave a, a department so they can go get a job in another department. So this reporter is trying to figure out if that's going on. So guess what happened? Guess what the legislature of Virginia is doing based on that? They are writing 
It's already passed through the Virginia Senate. Legislation that is again bringing national scrutiny to the Virginia General Assembly. A bill that would keep all Virginia police officers' names secret. That's right, folks. The secret police. How much longer until they start wearing masks? Huh? I mean, come on. Every good criminal robber highwayman should have a mask, shouldn't he? Well, we're getting there. In a climate where the actions of police nationwide are being watched as never before, supporters say the bill is needed to keep officers safe from people who may harass or harm them. But the effort has drawn the attention of civil rights groups and others who say police should be moving toward more transparency, not less, to ensure that troubled officers are found and removed. You know, uh, wait a minute. To keep officers safe from people who may harass or harm them? And who exactly is keeping the people safe from the police thugs harassing and harming them? Huh? Oh, wait, I know. That's why we have the Second Amendment. And uh, I got a news for the idiot governor in Vermont who keeps talking about hunting and hunting, and I love to hunt, and I love hunting, but we got to do something to get a, you know, there's no reason why anybody needs an AK-47 to go hunting. Well, guess what? Slick. The Second Amendment isn't about hunting. It's about taking fools like you out. That's what it's about. That's why the Second Amendment exists. Not for hunting. Not even for, for, for defending this nation. You! That's why the Second Amendment is there. All you pieces of garbage in the federal and state governments, when you start getting way out of hand, that's what the Second Amendment is for. It's so we can find you and we can kill you. That's what it's for. Read the document. Read the preamble to the ten, uh, to the ten, um, the Bill of Rights, the Ten Amendments there that were passed. Well, there were actually like 12 or 13 of them originally, but in the Bill of Rights, but 10 got passed right away. Go look, go read the preamble. Go read why the Second Amendment, the First Amendment, all the other amendments are there. That's why. You, to keep you in line. Now, you can say, well, oh, that's not, you know, I mean, that, that sounds a little scary and threatening to say to kill us. Well, what do you think it's there for? What do you think guns are for, buddy? But the First Amendment, and the Fourth Amendment, and the Sixth Amendment, and all of them, all the amendments are there to keep you government slugs in line, under control. That's what it's there for. That's what it says in the preamble to the Bill of Rights. I'm not making it up. Hey, I guess we should just erase our whole history then, because they were all just a bunch of terrorists, extremists, right? Is that right? Am I getting that right? Is that what our government is now calling the founding fathers and the documents they wrote of this nation? Extremists? Racists? Terrorists? Really? Because if you are... You are demonstrating 
treason. Because the government you are in is only created by those documents. And if you're going to start saying, well, those documents are radical and extremist and terroristic, well, then let's get a jail cell ready for you pretty pretty quick because you know what? You took an oath to uphold those terroristic extremist documents, didn't you? An oath is your pledge. Pledges are enforceable under the law. Hey, go ahead and uh, call up PBS during one of their pledge drives and say, I pledge $100 to you. Here's where I live, and this is who I am, and yada, yada, yada. And then tell them when they call you up the next day and say, hey, when can we expect that check? Say, oh, I was just kidding. You know, I just came to the conclusion that you're a communistic bunch of uh, socialists, so uh, I've decided, nah, I was just joking. You know, see how funny that joke gets. You're obligated. When you make a pledge, you are obligated by it. Unless, of course, well, there's some question. What kind of pledge, you know, what, what exactly are you pledging to? I mean, you know, hey, PBS is easy. I'm pledging to give you whatever amount of money. That's it. That's it. It's easy. What are the what are the people in government pledging to? Well, whatever the oath says, they're pledging to uphold and defend to the best of their ability. Yada yada yada. Execute the laws. You know, the whole thing. They're pledging to do that. It's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. Now, you know, again, we go back, it works both ways, and I don't like it, but it does. It's, you know, they sign their oath, and that's that. Well, so now what does that oath mean? Well, it means what they say it means. I am defending the Constitution in my way, under my interpretation. Depends what is is, right? Well... That's, and you can see that is how they're going. That is what they're doing. Because, hmm, when was the last time a public official got, uh, you know, pulled out onto the carpet in court for violating his pledge? I don't remember anybody ever in my life. Maybe you do. Okay, so... That's how it goes for them. They sign their little oath, and they say, well, it means what I mean. And, oh, yes, I am upholding the Constitution. We're all looking at each other going, what? What, are you kidding me? Well, yeah, you know, I interpret it to mean this, and I interpret it to mean that. And seeing as how there was no meeting in the minds, and it's only my signature on this document, everything on it must mean what I say it means. Oh. Wow. Boy, that kind of sucks. Well, yeah, in that respect it does, until you turn it around and say, oh, okay, so I understand how things are going. That's how it works? That's fine. So, hey, whose signature's on that driver license of yours? Just yours, right? There was no meeting in the minds. There's no contract. You just pledged, okay, 
I agree to whatever this license is. Well, what is that? What did you agree to? Well, whatever you agreed to, it's up to you. You're the only one that signed it. There was no meeting in the mind, so everything you agreed to is whatever you say it is. Because if it works that way for them, then it works that way for us. See? See, these whole things that everybody goes, well, this is an adhesion contract. This is a unilateral contract. Guess what, folks? Put on your thinking caps and realize unilateral contract is an oxymoron that cannot exist in reality. Okay? You can't have a unilateral contract. Okay? Because a contract is a meeting of the minds. Unilateral means I just did it all by myself. That's not a contract. Well, I see Melissa's trying, and and let's give her an opportunity to speak. Speak, Melissa, if you can, if they're, well, I know you can, but I mean if we can hear you. Waiting. No. I guess not. Well, I don't know. I just don't know. Anyhow, so there you go with that. That's something to think about and something to look into. And how many adhesion so-called contracts are they? Huh? And these so-called contracts with these so-called banks. Hmm. What kind of a contract is it when one party can change things whenever they want to whatever they want and your only choice is to stop doing business with them, but every one of them in the whole industry has the same thing. So in other words, if you don't want to be held hostage by a bank, you don't have to have a bank account. But if you don't have a bank account, you can't actually function. A lot of people can't function at all. Let's say you have Social Security. Let's say you're getting a military retirement check. Let's say they tell you one day, guess what? We're no longer doing paper checks. We're doing only direct deposit, so you must have a bank account or you will no longer get your benefit. So you have to go get a bank account with an entity that says, huh, we can change this contract anytime in any way that we want to. All we have to do is give you notice. See, that's not a contract either because it's an unconscionable contract. See, nobody would voluntarily sign a contract like that. The only way people sign contracts like that is under coercion. And if you're coerced into signing a contract, that's not your signature. Yeah, it's a tough sell because we're brought up, right? 
Well, good honest American, if you borrow something, you got to pay it back, right? Okay, good. Let's look at that for a minute. So you go to the bank and you say, ooh, hey, your credit card, cool, great. So you go out, charge it up, charge it up, charge it up, and go, hey, whoa. What did the bank say they're doing? They say you're they're actually loaning you that, right? But is that really what they're doing? No, it isn't really what they're doing. Because, see, they didn't have anything to loan you. You created the asset that they loaned you. You see, there was nothing to loan. Do you know why? Because every dollar in this country that is created is borrowed into existence. You know, everybody likes to say, including myself, well, they just spend money out of thin air. Well, okay, that's kind of true, but it's not technically true. Because technically true, what's technically true is every dollar is borrowed into existence. But you see, oh wow, again we have an oxymoron. Because how exactly do you lend something that has not yet been created? Huh? Right? So the bank says, sure, I'll lend you a thousand bucks for that refrigerator. Just sign your name here. But in actuality, when you sign your name there, that thousand dollars is now created by your signature. You created that credit. You created that asset. And now, the bank seizes it, times it by nine, and wants you to pay back the asset that you created for them to use for their benefit and profit. Wow, great deal, huh? So you know what, folks? Stop feeling bad. When the time comes and you have to tell the bank, hey, you know all that money? Screw you, you lying, thieving, criminal, treasonous traitor. Huh, that was pretty good without even saying words I'm not supposed to say on the radio. But you bankers out there understand something. I was thinking it, okay? I was thinking it. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a bit. We'll see if we can't do something about, you know, getting Melissa on the air or something here.
that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System.
our whole lives about the monetary system. And that's a fact. And there's lots of evidence out there to prove it. All right, here we go. Here's the headline. A warning to the feds on incremental prosecutions of the liberty movement. At the very onset of what would become the Soviet Empire, Vladimir Lenin decreed the creation of a national internal army called the Chechka. Chika, or C-H-E-K-A, whatever. I'm going to say Chika, okay? That's what I'm going to call it. The Chika were handed very broad police powers and tasked with the disruption and elimination of any form of dissent within the communist system. Lenin launched what would be later known as the Red Terror, in which nearly every Russian population center had an established uh, Chechka Office of Operations using surveillance, infiltration, nighttime raids, imprisonment, torture, and execution to silence opposition to the authority of the state. Some of these people were active rebels. Some were outspoken political opponents and journalists. Others were merely average citizens wrongly accused by neighbors or personal enemies. The Chica created a society of fear and suspicion in which no one could be trusted and little criticism was spoken above a whisper anywhere, even in one's own home. You know, do we have any of that going on in this country? You know where everybody is talking this politically correct crap, but when they get an uh, an opportunity to take a poll in secret, in the privacy of their own home, turns out 87% of the American people's biggest fear is the, the corrupt government. 87% really? Why isn't there more talk about it? You know why? Because people are afraid to talk about it. We had the federal government, through the White House, chief of staff, telling us, well, you know, Americans got to watch what they say. What? It's important to note, however, that the dominance of the Chica was established incrementally, not all at once. Agents of the state began their cleansing of the Russian population by targeting specific groups at opportune times and worked their way through the citizenry in exponential pace. The most intelligent, effective, and dangerous activists and rebels were slated for destruction first, as they represented a kind of leadership mechanism by which the rest of the population might be mobilized or inspired. More innocuous... Organizations like Christian churches and rural farmers were persecuted as background noise while the political mop-up was underway. Through this incrementalism, the communists were able to intern or eradicate vast numbers of potential opponents without the rest of Russians raising objections. The general populace was simply 
thankful that the eye of the Chica had not been turned on them. And as long as it was some other group of people unrelated to their daily life that disappeared in the night, they would keep their heads down and their mouths shut. I would point out that the communists were very careful and deliberate in ensuring that the actions of the internal police were made valid through law and rationalized as a part of class struggle. Such laws were left so open to interpretation that literally any evil committed could later be vindicated. Man-made law is often a more powerful weapon than any gun, tank, plane, or missile because it triggers apathy within the masses. For some strange reason, when corrupt governments legalize their criminality through legislation or executive decree, the citizenry suddenly treats that criminality as legitimate and excusable. Yeah, really, what the hell is wrong with all you people out there, huh? Oh, they wrote it down. Well, there you go. We've got to follow it because why, by golly, they wrote it down. Why do you think that jackass in the White House said, I got a pen and a phone? Because he recognizes all he's got to do is write some crap down and you'll all fall on your knees and pucker up as well as you can. Man, anyway, we got a caller. Go ahead, caller. From Washington. Jay from Washington. Somehow sounds familiar. Yes, sir. Well, you touched on something, and that's why I called in. You mentioned that uh, people are afraid to, to talk about it. Just recently you said that. Yeah. And I'll go further. Well, I'll go further. People aren't just afraid to talk about it. They're even afraid to hear about it. They're even afraid to listen to the truth, let alone talk about it. That's how deep the, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, that, that's, how, that's how damaged we are as a society, is that people don't even want to hear the truth, let alone talk about it. Talk about it? Are you kidding me? They would never do that. But they don't even want to hear about it anymore, Frank. That is how far we have fallen. How many people do you think listen to your show? How many people do you think listen to my show or any other show on the Internet or anywhere that talks about the truth? The numbers are dwindling and the numbers are fading and they're very small. That's a problem. And it's a frustrating problem. Well, guess what, Jay? Everybody's numbers are falling. Not as many people listen to that windbag Rush Limbaugh or that lion shill Alex Jones than they used to. Okay. Do you know why? It's not because people are scared to listen to them. It's because there's too many choices out there now. When I don't mean too many as a bad thing, I mean it's just a fact. There's so many choices out there, I don't have to listen to you. Maybe back in the old days when there was only 100 talk show hosts in the whole country, at 3 o'clock or whenever it is anybody's on, I have to listen to you because, well, there's only a choice of 10 other people. I don't like them, so I like you better than the other 10, so I listen to you, and you got a big audience. Well, guess what? Now I can listen to 30,000 other people, maybe 100,000 if I count all their podcasts and YouTubes and everything okay, else. Okay, that's, that's, okay, that's, that's valid. NBC, that's, okay, CBS, Fox News, all of them are losing market share. You know why? Because the market has been diluted. 
That's you know, I would re- agree that's with the that. reality. That's that's that what is, all yes. the little devices that we all love to carry around sure. and use. So you know what? If you've got one of those, I have one now. We're all to blame. We've all fallen into it. Do you listen to anything on the internet? Then you're to blame. Do you watch YouTube? You're to blame. This is what's happened. This is just the reality. Does this mean choices are bad? I don't think they're bad. But you know what? The reality of it is you're not going to get the audiences you were going to get 30 years ago. Okay. Uh, Understandable. Guess what, Jay? 30 years ago, you would have never got on the air. I would have never got on the air. Well, I beg to differ. At least on your part. Okay, now, now, hold on, Frank. I'm about to blow some smoke up your tailpipe. Okay, I beg to differ. I've said it before, and I've said it numerous times, and I'll say it again. I, I recall vividly saying a long time ago in the chat room that you, you could make millions on mainstream radio because of your commentary, because of how good your commentary is. You're, you have, like, this genuine truth. You know, you, you, you don't pull punches, and, and you're not tr- – and you, yourself – don't ever try and blow smoke. But Jay, you don't here's, try and curry the, here's favor the with sad people. reality. Okay, here's the sad reality. I do appreciate that. And even if I believed it, it doesn't matter because, see, the people with the money that make things happen like radio and TV and such, they don't want to hear it, Jay. I, I know, I, and that's the part that's the problem. So we have two things, okay? We have a problem. We have the fact, we have this deal where, okay, 20 years ago, I use Art Bell as an example all the time because it happened right here, right in front of me. I watched it happen. Here's a guy stuck in some jerkwater Nevada guy talking about UFOs and stupid crap. Goes on the air in the middle of the night on, on satellite, uh, you know, C-band satellite. And all of a sudden, he becomes a phenomena. Well, yeah, well, I mean, he was better than George Norrie. I mean, if oh, that's yeah, any well, I, okay, I, I agree with that. <laughs> but, you know, the thing okay. is, the thing is, though, the world has changed. Back in those days, if you could get on C-Band and you had a decent schedule, uh, a decent signal, you could get in a time slot, and if you had a good show and good content, you know, some program director out of some radio station somewhere would pull you down and put you out and if he got a good response you had a you had a radio okay now don't you think for you okay now let's come back to you don't you think if you were to i don't know whatever however you it happens to get on some and i hesitate to use the word mainstream because i i don't want to denigrate avr but don't you think that your commentary would no I, more to I know where you're going, and... Jay, and I, as much as I appreciate your opinion about me that way, uh, it, no, I don't, because the reality of it is those days are gone, and the reason those days are gone is because those independent radio stations are all gone. Now, right. those call letters are still out there, and those radio stations may still be pumping out a signal, but their programming is directed to them by a corporate office somewhere in Virginia. But okay, but bottom line is they just want to make money. So you said you knew where I was going, and I guess I have to say maybe I help me out because, or maybe you don't know where I was going. I still think now just follow me, and mm-hmm. I'm not trying to beat a dead horse. I still think your commentary. You just pick any one of your shows. 
any one of your shows. I think that would appeal to a broad audience, or at least a broader audience, on, again, not to denigrate AVR, but let's just say now you're mainstream, and let's just say it happened. And let's just say, and they probably wouldn't, you know, the producers or the uh, the corporate people, they probably, man, who is this guy? But we don't like him, and he's not, you know, he's offensive and blah, 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 but he's, we're hitting shekels, man. Oh, my goodness. Are we just getting shekels? People are really listening to this guy. That's all I'm trying to say. But their shekels don't come from people listening. Their shekels come from advertisers. So under that scheme of things, I get on there with my commentary, and one day I decide to start slamming on aspartame or MSG. Right. Or, right. oh, guess what? That corporate program director is going to get a call. No more shekels for you if we ever hear that again. Then but I get a call, the and they prevail? say, listen, Frank, don't ever mention aspartame again. Don't ever ah. mention MSG again. And the list goes on and on and on of all the phone calls I'd be getting about what I can't talk about. And you know what? After a while, if I played well, that after- game and went along with it, my commentary wouldn't be worth everybody cover your ears shit. That's what my commentary would be worth, just like Alex Jones's commentary is worth, just like Glenn Beck's commentary is worth, just like Rush Limbaugh's commentary is worth. That's what all their commentary is worth, because they've been told these are the things you do not talk about. Right, and that's a and see, and okay, that's a problem, and see, maybe we're getting somewhere, but so then. Shouldn't the truth always prevail, or doesn't the truth always prevail? Don't people want the truth? And eventually, shouldn't it always prevail? I mean, lies and deception. I agree with you, Jay, and I do believe people do want the truth. And I think, you know what, I think Donald Trump is a good example of that. Because for the tiny little bit of truth he says, he's getting a lot of mileage out of it. And he doesn't say well, that much truth. He just says more truth than the other candidates. That's all. That's that's a that's pretty, that's yeah that's a pretty good analysis, and I would agree. You know, but I mean, but he's getting a lot. Hey, he's doing pretty good with it. So yeah, but you see, you got to understand, AVR and the other alternative media's is the only way that's getting out. You ain't getting on NBC and Fox News and the main what we consider the mainstream. I understand. I understand. I, I do. And the only reason, listen, the only reason isn't because, you know, people on alternative radio aren't good enough. Because there's tons of people good enough. But the fact is, the advertisers control the content. That's the bottom line. Right. But, I mean, now, again, not to be difficult to extrapolate it. But, see, the advertisers want to make money, too. And if they're saying, hey, get that Frank off the air, man, uh, you know, Jiffy Lube calls, get him off the air, we don't like what he says, then all of a sudden people aren't showing up at Jiffy Lube. They're saying, hey, man, you, you pulled sponsorship from, from Frank? Are you kidding me? Then they're going to have to somebody's somebody. They don't, because it, go, it only goes so far. Somebody's going to catch up to that and go. Yeah, but, yeah somebody will. Somebody will, but I'll tell you what, you see, your idea of what's happening is Frank gets to go on the air and goes, well, we just lost Jiffy Lube as a sponsor because they don't like what I said. Uh, Okay, but that's not what happens. What happens is 
Frank has to shut up, never talk about it, or get off the air with no announcement whatsoever. So then I can go start my own podcast and start telling everybody, hey, I used to be a mainstream commentator. Now I'm on this podcast. You know why? Because I said this, that, and the other thing, and Jiffy Lou pulled her thing, and, that, uh, and I could tell the whole story. But it's not going to be on their radio stations. Okay. I, I, yeah, that part I understand. That's yeah. how it works. I mean, that's just how it works. And that is how cut and dry, black and white, it really is. And and people think, oh, no, he's, you know, oh, Rush Limbaugh sneaks in the truth. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He'll tell you the BS that he's allowed to say in a way that makes it sound like he's telling you something really important. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, I've smoked Rush Limbaugh out, you know, for 20 years ago. And I only uh, use him as an example. Right. But I understand. And he's, well, he's a good example to use because... I, well, well, probably the most successful. But but at the same time, you mentioned it. He is way less popular than he was. Sure. Uh, but everybody you know. Okay. I, but I everybody was, is, know, and I'll tell you what: it has the mainstream media in, in a in a in a panic. Because you see, okay, look, alternative radio has always been basically on the fringe, right? And our numbers, well, go, our numbers go up and they go down depending on how bad things are in the country, usually. That's true. Things are bad, true. we're popular. Things are that's good, we're not finger popular. finger of faith. Right. right. You know, but, I understand, yeah. And, and so, you know, we're used to that in the alternative media. But you see, the networks, the mainstream, they were used to having basically complete domination. And they're losing that. And they're not comfortable with it. That's because I would classify them as the fringe. You mentioned, you know, internet radio or whatever. Fringe. Well, I, I, my opinion is they always were. They were the fringe, not the people out here, you know, talking about the truth. And I hesitate to say preaching the truth, but you get my gist, commentating yeah. on the truth, whatever. We're mainstream, I believe. Well, we're getting, the you know, from, from the two surveys, from the two surveys that Al brought to the air last night, we're the majority. And that was very good, yeah. And I watched, I, that was like a blog post, actually, of his, and I redid that, mm-hmm. and I reposted that on my own blog. It was yeah. very telling. So, we're, so that is out there. We're we the majority. Into, we aren't. Well, we're the silent majority, apparently, you know, uh, for the most part, because yet we, yet we linger in this, like, bowl of that word you used earlier that I won't repeat ah. on the air. Starts with an S and ends with a T. So I'm just frustrated, mm, Frank, and that's see. why I called in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's... <laughs> Come on, so, man. Help out I... all the public school people. S H I T. You know, <laughs> I won't. Anyway, Jay, you know what? We're out of time, but I do appreciate I what you had to say, and I understand what you're saying, but, you know, being in an industry is different than, like, watching an industry. Because you you understand things that, and it's not because you understand, it's just because you've been around it and you see it, it's familiarity, and it's just like you take it for granted by being in it that this is the way it is and everybody knows. Well, everybody doesn't know, but, you know, it's just one of those things. But that is what's happened in in radio, and well, it happened long ago in television, but, I mean, in radio, it only happened in the, uh, well, Reagan, 
right after Reagan, man, because what Reagan did was he, there used to be rules, you see, that you can only own so many radio stations, so many newspapers, so many, you know, any one company could only own so many in a geographical area, right? Well, right. Reagan said, oh, let's, let's deregulate. deregulate. So, well, he was the master at deregulation, and deregulation is a good thing sometimes. Not Sometimes the way Reagan it did it. The way Reagan did it, Reagan, what, he, he, he lied to everybody when he said deregulation. What he meant right, was consolidation. Right. Exactly. Yeah, and monopolization. I yeah. get it, yeah. You know, yeah. so Not they, uh, they took away all the, uh, the antitrust laws have been gutted, just like Posse Comitatus has been gutted. Yeah. You know, all these laws yeah. that were there to protect the American people have been gutted. And all the laws yeah. to enslave the American people have been enhanced. Uh, amen. And to that, I know you're at the end of your show. And you I am, over. and I do but. thank you for calling in. Call in any time, Jay. Jay's show is on, uh, it's going to be on Wednesdays now. He changed from Tuesday to Wednesday. So take a note, folks. If you've been listening on Tuesdays, you're going to want to do in on uh, Wednesday. And he has expanded that show to two hours on Thursday like always folks so you know now you've got even more Jay Shanahan on well on Wednesday you do but overall now three hours a week so be sure to tune in plus next week we'll have a new show too I'm going to announce that tomorrow as always thanks for listening folks I got a lot of I got a lot of Latino votes in uh, Nevada. Okay, well, you know the thing is, she was asking him. Well, do you think that you can win a general election because you know uh, Telemundo has a poll out there that says, uh, hey, you know, sixty some percent of Mexicans or Latinos don't like you. Uh, how could you possibly win a uh, an election with that? Well, he was arguing. Oh no, they really do like me. They really do like me. When Donald Trump, I believe, should have told that Mexican chick, hey, I don't really care if they vote for me. Let me tell you something. The Mexican population is 15%. So what if I get 20 or 30% of them? Okay, great. You know what? 15% isn't getting anybody elected. So, you know what? I'm not catering to these people. Why should I? I'm catering to the majority. This is a democracy. Hey, remember? And you can all argue and say, oh, no, we're a republic. Oh, no, we're not. No, we're not. Maybe you didn't get the memo. But they passed the 17th Amendment, and the republic got flushed down the toilet. But you know what? Long before that ever happened, the republic was already flushed down the toilet when the Civil War happened. That was the end of the republic, and we went into military district rule right then and there, and we've been there ever since. Every state of the Union lost that war. The northern states just capitulated and surrendered and helped the federal government defeat the South. That's all. But all the states of the Union lost 
that war. And that was when the republic went bye-bye. What do you think? What, Abraham Lincoln sitting up in his chair writing executive orders with a Congress that doesn't even have a quorum? You, you, what? Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.